Good evening everybody, we are back again for the last Q&A for this month. Not the last Q&A, but for this month. Unless, of course, before the month finishes, the Lord comes. <laughs> this is the last Q&A. Okay, but I don't think yet. So we are session 125. First, I want to apologize for the morning. Uh, Sami tried some new tricks. He shall be appropriately spanked for that. I heard the reports from everywhere. But it shall not happen again. And uh, it was connected with the worship. Second, it's a glorious day. We just thank God. For Roe versus Wade. Huh? For Roe versus Wade has been overturned. Of course, there will be a lot of violence, all kind of things. You know how people misinterpret things. When they are blinded, they are absolutely blinded. And the sad thing is they all claim to be Christians. And Catholics. When the Catholic Church doctrine dogma is against abortion. So anyway, we just thank God. Jesus said, let the children come to me and at least a lot of children, a lot of children will love this year. A lot of them will love this year because they won't go under the knife. We just thank God. But I do believe many of those children, I don't know whether all of those children, I do not know the secret things. But the ones who died, 63 million, they say, 50 years. And remember, 50 years is the year of Jubilee in in the Old Covenant. After 50 years, there is a release for the prisoners. So after 50 years, God is releasing the wombs. The children are free to love. So for us, it's an awesome, awesome day. For those who believe, it's an awesome day. And we pray for the young girls are out on the streets, teenage girls in their 20s, 30s, my body, my choice. Yes, but there are two bodies here. Please remember, your body and a little body inside, absolutely vulnerable, cannot make any choice, cannot make any decision. It's entirely dependent upon the mother. And please remember, responsibility comes before rights. Always. Responsibility comes and we pray for them to these children who actually have a Christian heritage. God will touch them, open their eyes and they will get off the streets and value life. A culture of life and not a culture of death. Mm. Christ wants children alive. Baphomet wants children dead. You choose whom you serve. Hmm. So this morning, evening, we'll pray, and then we'll get into the Q&A. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for this awesome, momentous decision, Lord. It will always be known as President Trump's legacy, that he put three conservative judges on the bench, and after 50 years, children can live again, breathe again in the womb without fear. At least in many of the red states, oh Lord. And we pray for all the pregnant moms out there. Teenagers maybe, unwed maybe, but I pray you would touch them. And you would speak to them that you are the God of life. And you have a plan and a purpose for both the mother and the baby. If they would just turn and turn to you. You would reach out and change both lives forever. For you are the God of Hagar. 
a single mother with a young boy and you told her I have a plan for your son too and he too will be a great nation. And she's the one who called you, named you, the God who hears and sees. And I pray, Father, this simple, misguided children would know there is a God who cares. We come at this time into thy hands. Speak to us. Give us the wisdom to answer, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hmm. Yes, Pastor. Should look at questions, Pastor. Yes, so we'll start with the last question, question number 10. Okay. The latest question. Um, question says, although the whole congregation of Israel witnessed the opening of the earth and the swallowing up of the rebellious families, and although they fled in terror, their fear was only of the punishment and not at all of God. They failed to understand Moses their hearts remained untouched. So that after a night's thought, they themselves rebelled the very next day. Would you agree, unless one has met the grace of God, your inward condition remains the same? Typically, this is an Old Testament pattern. Okay, So if you look at the pattern, if you're looking over there, we cannot say, if you look at the pattern of the Old Testament, they have not experienced the primary grace of God. Hmm. If they haven't, they would not have left Israel. Yes. Egypt. The first, oh sorry, is Egypt. The first point where grace touches us is when we believe in the blood and we are saved from the penalty of death hmm. and the destroyer passes over. Not only that, they left Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. Okay, if you, if you, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and verses 1 to 4, if I'm right, yes. it gives you the answer as to what. Moreover, Sonika, could you just move a little bit? Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But, but verse 5 will say, but hmm. with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also Lusted. Okay, a list is given, but that's not an exhaustive list. It's not yes. an exhaustive list. I believe uh, God was very merciful with them because we are very merciful with young believers because they don't. They only know the salvation part and all the struggles. They couldn't understand. Like I said, no. God is very patient. If you look at Second uh, Peter three nine, when God is dealing with the uh, ungenerated people. Unregenerated. Unregenerated people, not generated. The Lord is not slacking his promise, uh, concerning his as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the simple question you need to understand is, when is God is so long suffering and kind to the unbelieving, how much more long suffering and kind <coughs> is to the believing children who have just come out? 
So he's very kind and long-suffering with them. He takes them a long way out of Egypt because he knows they don't have the strength to fight the Philistines. So that way was shot. And what happens is uh, they, they are fearful. And they cry out. They, and then they see the power of God. And each time this happens. But I believe the actual problem is not there. It is not with their uh, uh, mood by the temporal things. I actually believe the real issue happened when Moses went up the mountain. When Moses went up the mountain, another leadership arose. It was a compromised leadership. Like I will tell you, this is something which you need to understand how systems work. We had the government of India... Uh, making the announcements about four years, temporary, this thing, into recruitment into the army. And then suddenly there were riots all over. And suddenly the riots also stopped. See, movements without leadership will not succeed. Hmm. Okay, it will not succeed. And systems are very, very smart. What they do is that they know if there is no leadership, they can shut it down very fast. They just have to make an example of a few people and immediately everybody will go off the streets. But if there is a leadership, then what systems try to do is they go after the leadership. Mm. So leadership can be positive or leadership can be negative. Okay, You need to understand that is why the entire thing for the not just past four years, past six years, they have been after Trump because they fear him. They fear him. They know if they can take him out where he doesn't come back into politics again, the status quo will continue like before. The elite will rule this world. The Illuminati and the Freemasons will control. And they know it does not matter who the people elect. Mm. There are masters on both sides and they will control the narrative. This is one man they cannot control. And the problem is he went to the highest post where he can change the narrative. That's why they are after him. The entire January 6th committee is all aimed at one thing. Mm. It is not about finding the truth or anything. It's just to disqualify him from coming back. That is the aim. That's how they go after leadership. So leadership really, really matters. And this is a question of leadership. That is where it happened. You had a man called Aaron who really, really never encountered God mm. face to face, had a encounter with God. And you had his younger brother Moses who encountered God. So when the man who encountered God went out of sight, the next fellow takes over and he compromises. He compromises. He is the one who leads Israel into idolatry. Hmm. Okay. See, you can have idols in your heart. Children can have idols. The children are born as idolaters. Hmm. Children in your house because they are all flesh no spirit full of idols. The job of the parents is to break those idols and mm. not give in to the idols. Every child who is throwing a tantrum is actually worshipping an idol mm. and the parents give in to it. You are aiding and abetting that idolatry. Okay? Aaron, what he did was he aided their idolatry. From there, Israel started falling. From there, Israel started falling. That's basically where the issue happened. Because you know what? And it was basically Moses' own fault, if you look at it. If you go to Exodus chapter 4. Okay? Exodus mm. chapter 4. This was Moses' own fault. Yeah. In chapter 4. And uh, when God is... Uh, verse 10 onwards. Okay. 
10 onwards. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes uh, the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind, have not I the Lord? So he's making all kind of excuses. Because he's got a very low self-esteem. Because if you live for 40 years, dependent upon your father-in-law, get this very clear. If you live dependent upon your father-in-law, you will have very low self-esteem. If you don't have resources, man, go to your father. Don't go to your father-in-law. It is not the same. It is never the same. Your father will say, okay, he will scold you, but he will say, son, Get up on your feet and try to do something. Your father-in-law will have contempt for you, saying you are not able to take care of my daughter. Be very careful of these fundamental things, okay? Both Moses and Jacob, Jacob. had very, very low self-esteem. Very, very low self-esteem. And you need to realize, if you are dependent upon your father-in-law, what happens is your wife will control the narrative. Jacob's wives were using him like gambling over him. And Zephora wouldn't allow the children to be circumcised. These are terrible things they made. This was not of God. Jacob, God did not tell Jacob to go to Haran. It is his mother who told him to go to Haran. It is Moses who went out of turn, out of God's time, out of God's ways and had to run to Midian. So God still uses our weaknesses, our mistakes and tries to work it out because he looks at the fundamental thing and says, okay, you know what? This man, Jacob... He's interested in the things of me. So I love Jacob. Mm -hmm. This Moses, he loves me. He cares, but he has to learn my way. So because of that, God is still working out Mm -hmm. things for him. So this is where things go wrong. People don't understand these are fundamental. Like I said, Mm -hmm. there are principles and patterns set in the Bible. They're set in the Bible. You do not follow those patterns. It will have its own repercussions. So that's where Moses went wrong. That's where Jacob went wrong. Because Moses is the leader. Now, if you go over there, he's got such a so low self-esteem. And the Lord said, who made man's mouth? Who are you talking to? First, you need to realize it. Who is that who's calling you? Did God call you? Be very sure. Did God God call you? If God has called you, then you don't have to worry. All you have to say is, here I am. Your servant listens. Amen. Remember? Mm. That is Samuel. Mm. A little boy. A little boy. In the temple in Mm. Shiloh. And all he is told to say is, here I am. Your servant listens. And everything after that God is able to do through him. Mm. And here is one mightier than Samuel. Mm. And he says, I cannot speak. Listen to what God says. Now therefore go, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. God says, you don't worry about it. You go. As I go, you go with me. I will teach you. I will teach you how to say. He said, oh Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. He says, please, no, 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 please don't send somebody else. And God gets angry. The word of God says God gets angry. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. Look, he's also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. I'll be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. This is what happened. Fundamental. Mm. Because he, you know, a lot of people are there. You know, when God calls them, they all, always need a prop. 
If you are absolutely sure God has called you, you don't need a prop. You do not need a prop. You need people to pray for you, lift your hand, but you don't need a prop. Prop, prop meaning a support. Uh, oh, I cannot do unless ah, okay, this okay, one okay, comes okay, along okay. with me. No, yeah. I can do mm. because I know okay. who sent me. Okay, okay, yeah. I covet your prayers, but I'm dependent upon God. Mm. I'm dependent upon God. And depend. Of course, Moses will get tired. But when they're tired, they hold up his hands. That's all they do. Moses is not saying, I can't go to the mountains unless Aaron and her comes with me. No, I can go up to the mountains because I know who called me. I know who called me. This, These two things have to be. There is one, you're entire dependent upon God and not dependence on man. Yet there is a dependence of man because we are part of the body. But not this kind of a servile dependence. Mm-hmm. So what happens is now, before the people, what is happening, let us say, I am Moses and he is Aaron. Just an example, okay? <laughs> Moses, he is Aaron. Now what is happening is when Moses goes to Egypt, this is going. what is going to happen. Though we don't see it clearly, but you will see always. He speaks to Aaron. Aaron speaks to the people. He speaks to Aaron. Aaron speaks to the people. He speaks to the Aaron. Aaron speaks to the people. Point so the people point. are now looking at Aaron. Point of contact with Aaron. The yeah. point of contact yeah. for the people yeah. is Aaron. Yeah. The compromise man who has never met God. Mm. That's the point. Yeah. He's never met God. Mm. He has never encountered God. And that is where it starts falling apart. A man. Okay. The man is, this man is not the authority. He has only delegated authority. Yes. The authority that God has ordained is this man. Call Moses. This man is just a second delegated by God just to convey what God speaks to this man. You have to convey it. But what the people are looking at, Aaron, 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 Aaron. And one day, God calls Moses to come out to the mountain to give the law. And when the people saw Moses, see, they have contempt for Moses. If you have doubts, go there. Yes. Numbers. Exodus 32. Sorry, Exodus 32. Mm. Look at the term they use. Just follow Moses. Mm. Exodus Exodus Mm. 32. Verse 1. 32 verse 1. So when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For this Moses, if you want to put it in NIV. NIV, this fellow. I think KJV also uses the word this fellow. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, KJV uses Okay. This fellow Moses Mm. who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. You know why do they have their contempt? Because Moses is not the power of point of contact. And because he did not trust God to speak through him, he probably stammers. Ah. That fellow can. You see, that's what Paul is saying. I did not come to you by with eloquence. Mm. Eloquence is not the substitute for authority. Yes. Because you are eloquent and charismatic, that does not you have authority. The authority is with Moses. But the problem is, he goofed up. He, he goofs up many times. Many, when Jethro comes, he'll fall, bow down, and listen to Jethro's advice. My question to you is, I'm not saying the advice is per se wrong, but like David, why did you go to God and say, yes. is this what you want? Yes. yes. Why did you listen to your father-in-law? Why did you listen to your father-in-law? If you come to the book of Acts, hmm? Hmm. book of Acts, okay, chapter 6 hmm. and verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you how many men? Seven. Seven men. How did he do Jethro? Seventy. Seventy. 
Okay. So only seven here. And what is the condition? Full oh, of the Holy Spirit. Spirit and wisdom. Who may appoint over this business. That's a difference that is happening over here. Okay, over here. This is not the brother-in-law's, uh, sorry, father-in-law's counsel. This is the apostles who are making the decision. Then they themselves are full of the Holy Spirit. So you will see always when the leadership gets compromised. Mm. And because people are flesh, people are flesh, they will always go with the compromised leadership. They will always go with the compromised leadership. And that's why leadership has to be very, very clear and spiritual. And that is where the fall starts taking place. And you will always realize, it's interesting, if you note the people, the people of Israel, the first generation that came out, they always side with the rebels. You will never see them siding with Moses and later with Moses or Aaron. They are always on the side of the rebels. And what does that tell you about them? They are primarily flesh. They are primarily flesh. They are primarily, they themselves are rebels. Mm. Yes. And that is how you judge yourself when there is an issue. Where do I go with? With the spirit or with the flesh? Who am I going with? Who am I going with? Okay, and that's where God is looking, and it's only there's a Joshua and a Caleb from that generation who actually goes with Moses, and the rest of them always side with the rebels, and that's what it's happening over there. You see, when you go with that compromised leadership, little later you will see first Aaron and Miriam rise up against God, against Moses, and God teaches them a lesson, and after that they are fine, no more problems with Aaron and Miriam. Okay, you need to understand how authority works. When God's delegated authority works, family relationships does not matter to God. Miriam is very much older than Moses. Aaron is three years older than Moses. None of these things matter. Because you are, you see, this is something which you need to understand. When you come to church, you come to church, and uh, when you are ministering in church, leave your family behind. Leave your family behind. Don't bring your family there. Because when you are standing over there, you are standing alone before God. God's representative, yes. I'm talking about ministry. Talking about ministry. Don't bring your family there. Don't bring your family there. We don't project wives. We don't project our children. We don't project our family members. No. Amen. There is nothing like that. Amen. All pastors' wives are not called into full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. Very few are. Yes. Very few are. All pastors' wives are called to take care of their homes. Mm-hmm. All are not. There is nothing in the Bible called Pastor Amma. Mm. These are all... Constructs. <laughs> constructs of man. Mm. Nothing like that. <laughs> you find me in the Bible, one place which talks about pastor's wife having an office. Nothing like that. <laughs> pastor's mother having an office. Pastor's father having an office. No. Nothing like that. There's nothing like that. That man alone is called. And when he's called, he's told that if you love your father, mother, wife, children, <laughs> you are not worthy. The first thing that is told. I'm not saying they're not part of it. He, she may or may not be part of the yes, call. Yes. And if she is a part of the call, she has to be very, very careful. Yes, very, yes. very, very careful. Because he's the one who is called. 
these are fundamental things which you have need to realize. You have to, because all these issues will prop up in churches. That's what happened. Churches have compromised and I look all over. The wives have all become pastors. If you look today, every, all the pastors' wives have become pastors. I refuse to say my wife is a pastor. No, Sister Elsa, she's not a pastor. What's the job? To pray. Pray for the judge. That's all. She's not a pastor. I will never acknowledge she's a pastor. She's not a pastor. That's why I don't allow her to teach. I don't allow her to teach. And if I allow her to teach, it's only to the children, to the youth. I won't allow her to teach in the church. Why? Because he hasn't called her to be a pastor. Hasn't called her to be a pastor. There are situations in underground churches and all where God overrules this and races of women leaders because they are no men. But that, where that is not there, so go by what is written, what is by the law. Because all this brings issues into the church compromise, compromises, compromises, compromises. That's how the Laodicea church is formed. That's how Laodicea is. Because this is all issue, all got to do with issue with leadership. The entire problem here is with leadership. It is not that they did not experience grace, but the leadership goofed up. Mm. The leadership goofed up. Because all the leadership is seeing is rebellion. Okay, how can Moses and Miriam and Data and Korah and 250, how can they all be wrong and Moses alone be right? But the problem is Moses alone is right. Right, period. That's it. Yeah. Then looking at the history, how can all the people who left the church be wrong and pastor alone be right? Do you know what? Ask God. Ask God. Why don't you ask God? All the people who left the church, did God call them? God called them? Did they leave everything to follow Christ? No, only two of us. Nobody has left everybody to follow Christ. All the people who left the church or all the people who have left churches, are you willing to leave everything? Because this is my simple question to people when they come to me, when pastors come to me and say, say, when you have these issues, tell them all this thing. You want to be part of the decision making. Good. I will make you part of the decision making. Leave everything and follow Christ. Leave everything. The only one who forsake everything and followed God was Moses, not even Aaron. Aaron wanted to escape slavery. Moses left everything. That's a fundamental thing which you understand about a person who has been delegated authority by God. That man has left everything. The apostles left everything and followed Christ. To them, authority is given. If you are working in an IT company and you are serving in church, you do not have authority. You do not have authority. You are just serving in Christ. You just do what you are doing. or Whatever you are praise God, you serve in Christ. But you do not have authority. You do not have authority. Because the prop thing is that when your IT company shifts you to Chennai, you will leave the church and go. You leave a church and go. We don't have such options. So we, we have no such options. We have burned we all bridges. We, burned, all bridges. we burned, like Elijah, we burned the yoke and the oxen. There is no going back. There is nowhere to go back. For us, the direction is only forward, wherever it takes us. There is no going back. So that is how authority is is given. And that's what he was telling Moses. You know what? For you there's no going back. For you there is no going back. I have called you. I have anointed you. I will be your mouthpiece. But here what has happened is that from there the fall continues, 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 continues and you will realize everywhere they rebel against Moses and they rebel against God. 
His people rebel against Moses and even after God said all those are about 20 will die because it's immediately next day they say we want to go to fight. Moses said don't go. They won't listen. They went to fight. Okay, we realize when this judgment, particular passage, I mean, when that judgment takes place, we need to realize Aaron redeems himself. Yes. Aaron redeems himself. That is a place. You see, a man can can go down and he can be redeemed. At that point, the wrath of God, because they say, these people have killed the men of God. Let's go that place. No, that is how they turn. Okay. Number 16, I think. Numbers. 17. When those yes, Data, Korah, yes, Abiram yes, yes, all yes. have died, you know, when the people got very, very upset. Verse 42. 1642, yes. 1642. <coughs> uh, 41, 41. 41, not 42. On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel, remember, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. They, what did they see? They saw earth opening up and that 250 leadership, okay, 250 leadership that these people going down into hell. And they come back again and say, you have killed God's people. This is what happens when rebellion gets into your heart. It doesn't matter what God shows you. There's no logic. There's no logic mm. in how you react. Yes. There's absolutely. no logic in how you react because ultimately at the core of it, you are still a rebel. You are still a rebel. And these are the things which we need to understand because we have to be very, very careful. Like I keep telling people, keep telling children, when you go to school, when you go to college, when you go to work, be very careful how you deal with leadership. I would lead with the leadership. Because God is watching. God is watching. If you are arrogant and flippant with your leadership in college, God will never raise your opinion in his kingdom. Because yes. you already have an issue with authority. Mm. You already have an issue with authority. And we think the pastor the pastor doesn't even know. Yeah. Doesn't even God knows. God knows. He's seeing everything. There's nothing hidden from his eyes. Yeah. You know, and people like Joseph, when they have to reach the top, you will see at every level of their life, they are respectful of leadership. Yes. Respectful of leadership. Whether it's at home, a Potiphar, or prison, everywhere. And even when he is under Pharaoh, and Pharaoh has given every power into his hands. He checks with Pharaoh. He checks with Pharaoh, and mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. he does is for Pharaoh. Pharaoh, yes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do anything in his name and mm-hmm. for himself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what God is talking about. Mm-hmm. These are fundamental principles. So these people are fundamentally rebels. They are fundamental rebels. And let me tell you about this leadership. 250 of them, right? Yes, 250. I'll tell you. You can assume who are these 250 people. You see, when they were in Egypt... They were slaves. And they are, they say, history says, they are the ones who built those cities for Pharaoh. Okay? So, there are the Egyptians, and there are the Israelite slaves, and above the Israelite slaves, there are the Israelite masters. Taskmasters, yes. Taskmasters. And these are the 250 ones. Mm. Because that's the way. Even here, even now, it is that's the way. You have... Uh, the major religion here, Hinduism, broken down into so many castes and clans and all. And usually they have their own clan group also. They have their WhatsApp group also. And there's a clan leader. And when politicians want their votes, they don't go to everybody. They go to that clan leader. That is how it is done. Mm. 
So this 250 for me personally, I believe this 250 were the clan leaders who were the intermediary between Pharaoh's servants and the slaves. So they had a position and they were taskmasters. They were taskmasters. Their leadership principles they learned was from Egypt, mm. not from God. Mm. They have never learned what is servant leadership, what it is to serve. They have loaded over God's people. Yep. Loaded over God's people. And when a different kind of leadership like Moses comes in, it threatens their power. And they're after Moses. Mm. It threatens their power. That is basically what is happening. There are two kinds of leadership. We saw that in Matthew 20, this morning. 20, 20, 20 23, 24, I think. Yes, right, yeah. Matthew 20. Jesus is telling his disciples. Matthew 20. Matthew 20. This is fundamentally the issue. Everywhere this is the issue. Mm. No, no, no. I'll tell you exactly. Uh, it's uh, uh, 22 onwards, Pastor. Okay. Uh, so, so 24, 24 onwards. 24. 24 onwards. Yeah, 25. Okay, they're talking about leadership. Yes. Yeah, look at this. Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. So where did they learn leadership principles? From the world, yes. That's where people learn today. Mm -hmm. You know what, Pastor, you listen to TED Talks, you listen to this talk and this talk in the church. Mm -hmm. And do you know who are most of the speakers in TED Talks? Are Freemasons. Mm -hmm. Starting with Bill Gates, masters. They are called masters. These are the ones you teach you leadership principles. And then they come into church. And they want to be a leader in the church. What do they know about servant leadership? Have they really laid down their lives for God? And to the people as God directs? No, they don't. This is what happens. You shall not be so among you. But whoever decides to become great among you, let him be your servant. This is the whole issue. The whole issue in the world, it is always pushing, 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 pushing to go to the top. In the kingdom, it doesn't work like that. It works like this. He says, you go to the bottom. First, going to the bottom is emptying yourself. Leave. Leave. The first leader in the Bible is somebody called Abraham. Leave. Pack up and leave. Leave your country, leave your house. Can't I take even daddy with me? No. Hmm. Don't need a prop. And whatever you carry with you, um, which is against my will, you will not hear me speak. You will be listening to their voice. You listen to one voice, you listen to another voice, you listen to another voice, and it is creative. And this is we need to understand. This is fundamentally the issue that happened over there. And in this second generation, Joshua generation, you will see there is no shut such problem. Down. They shut down the other world. Absolutely, there is no issues mm. at all because there is no crisis in the leadership. Yes. Because they only see in Moses and all they ask Joshua is, this is all we ask you. Mm. Would you please walk with God as Moses walked with God? That's all. Whatever you say, we will listen. And if any man rebels against you, we'll cut him off. Because we see you. Because we have seen him. And this is where issues happen. But today's churches are not formed that way. Churches are formed by, leadership is formed by people who have learned their principles of leadership from Egypt. Not from the kingdom. And they did not leave everything to follow him. They followed him to get. Hmm. To get. In the first place, they never left anything. 
second they are after in the kingdom to see like this. That's when he got upset with them. He said, can we sit on the right? Can he sit them on mm. the left? And he said, can you go through my baptism? Yes. <laughs> can you drink from this cup? Do you know what it leadership in the kingdom means? Let me show you what leadership in the kingdom is. In the new covenant leadership, the highest office is the of four, first Corinthians four. Mm-hmm. The highest office is the office of apostle. There's no higher office than mm-hmm. the op- uh, office of apostle. Look at first Corinthians chapter four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Verse six onwards. Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes. They are leaders. That you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from another? What do you have that you did not receive? Now if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You are already full. You are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. <laughs> and indeed, I could wish you did reign, that we also might reign with you. Sarcasm. <laughs> he's being really sarcastic. He's telling Corinthian church, what leadership, man? What leadership? What principles you are applying in the church? Where did you learn all this from? He says, even I did not receive it by revelation. Where did you get all this from? For I think God has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death, for we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. <laughs> to the present hour, we both hunger and thirst. We are poorly clothed, beaten, homeless. We labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we endure, being defamed, we entreat, we have been made as the filth of the world, the offscoring of all things until now. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, I warn you, though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Okay. That's what the children of Israel should have thought. Who is our father? Moses is our father. Who begot us? Through whom did God bring us out of Egypt? Who begot us? Who risked his life for us? Who laid down everything? Who sacrificed? Who left everything? You should have asked. They have asked, God would have said, my servant Moses. My servant Moses. None of them others did. Only one who left and lost, if you want to put in worldly terms, as Moses, he left his job. He was the heir through the throne. One of the heirs through the throne. He could have become, because Pharaoh's was not necessarily the yeah. king's son. Yes. Pharaoh chose the next Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. And secular science um, history says Moses had three chances to become Pharaoh and he refused. Because he was the king's champion. He was the one they said he would destroy the Ethiopians for Pharaoh's mm-hmm. sake. Mm-hmm. So he was mighty in words and in deeds. That's what the Bible says. He was a mighty man and Pharaoh would have chosen him. He left all that. It's a simple thing. When you look at leadership, you have to look at the leadership and ask, what has my leader left? What has, I'm talking about spiritual leadership. What did Korah leave? What did Datan leave? 
What did Abiram leave? Aren't these same people who came after us in Egypt? Aren't these same people who made us work for Pharaoh? When Pharaoh put pressure on us, then they put pressure on us. Aren't the same people? Okay, and that's what we need to realize. It's, 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 it's the same thing always. People are so absolutely blinded. Absolutely blinded. That's what's happening right now on the streets of US. Blinded leadership. Everybody, sad day for women. Really? That you cannot abort your baby is a sad day for women. How does it become sad? How does it become sad? I don't understand. The kind of blinded leadership they will feed to the people. They look at the people and look what does the people want. Mm. That's what's happening all around us. Look around this, what do the people want? We were hearing stories from US. You know, they are struggling to find a church. After you hear the message and realize this is the gospel, this is the kingdom, and they realize, okay, if this is the kingdom, this is the gospel, they're looking around, they don't find churches. Every church they say they go, I'm talking about Indian kids in US. Okay? Every church they go, they say, after the service, the pastor gives them a leaflet saying, tell us how do you want the church to change. What has God to do with the congregation? Dude, go to your closet and ask God, what should I do? How do you want that? It is exactly, this is the leadership. Go back to Exodus 32. Listen to what Aaron says. Listen to exactly what Aaron says. <laughs> verse chapter 2, uh, chapter 32, verse 2. Two onwards. Aaron said to them, break up the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters. Bring them to me. And all the people broke up the golden earrings which were in their ears, brought them to Aaron, and he received the gold from their hand. He fashioned it with an engraving tool, made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. What happened? What happened? Is he stopping them? At least, people may not know, but he knows very well what happened in Egypt. He is Moses. He was with Moses every time he knew what happened. Even if he was only repeating the words, he had heard the words from Moses. This is what God is saying. Suddenly what happened? A compromised leadership. What does it do? It gives the people what they want. They never check with God. They forget the gospel is about God. The people belong to God. And you have to give them what God wants them. So what do they bring? They bring everything into the church. The church has become an entertainment center. Literally an entertainment center. You ask us, what do you want? We will give it to you. Of course we will attach one name. In Jesus' name we shall do it. Look at next thing Aaron says in verse 5. When Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. To whom? the Lord. Actually, the other word in the previous verse, what he used Elohim. is the word mm -hmm. Elohim. He made Elohim, mm -hmm. the living God, into a calf. He named that calf Elohim. And that's what is happening. It's calf worship that is happening in, in churches. You just look into the churches, you look into YouTube and you see what is happening in these churches. What is happening in these churches? People are being, are being fed because the pastor gives the pamphlets out, he gets a feedback and says, oh, this is what my congregation comes. You know what? If I give them what they want, they will break their earrings and their gold and they will bring it to me. They will bring it to me. What does the pastor want? He wants gold. 
what do the people want they want entertainment they are made for each other look what happens they rose early the next morning for for entertainment people will come i'm telling even in our church with the young people we'll say we'll change from july onwards from july on was second sundays youth sunday you can have choreo you can have drama you can up by everybody will come early in the morning to practice Don't think looking at our church people are all kosher because they hear the word because each one personally has to encounter God before they will change all we can do is preach but we cannot change and we cannot change until they choose lord like you heard this morning i surrender mm. then it will become a different church otherwise you know what they will also wake up early in the morning offered burnt offerings brought peace offerings and what does the bible say this is modern day worship they sat down to eat, eat and, and drink and, and rose up to play. Much of the dancing and all that is taking place has got nothing to do with worship. It is just entertaining yourself. The songs are good, the music is great, the tunes are good. They dance and they say unto Yahweh. It's a golden calf. If God were to open their eyes, they will realize there is no Elohim there. It's just a golden calf. You're worshipping your idol. you're worshiping an idol because if you really really want to dance and worship in the church look at the man whose dance was accepted by god mm. that was david and when he danced you know what he did he took his royal robes mm. off and he danced before the ark saying there is only one king mm. and it's not me mm. it is him and before him i am just like another of the servants in justinus effort he danced and there was nothing to see that either he or the others were different because he says before god it's only one king hmm. it's not me it is not me this is the fundamental principle that is happening and this is where you have to use discernment even the big churches which we all thought great about devil wilkerson and all the church third generation it's gone it's gone because always remember it is got to do with leadership it's not got to do with the people it's got to do with the leadership and if the leadership refuses to compromise god will stand with the leadership but if the leadership refuses to compromise and people leave god will say let them go let them go he says you cannot hold them back jesus never went after anybody he says do you also want to go he says you do have a issue jesus if jesus were to ask as a pastor he will say did i take care of you yes when you were hungry did i feed you When you were sick, did I pray for you? Did I was there for everything? So, what is your issue? No, we don't like your leadership. Okay. What is the issue? Can you just be a little mild from the pulpit? Can you change your doctrine a little? He says the doctrine cannot be changed. It's the doctrine of my father. It cannot be changed. Hmm. And because of the doctrine, people started leaving. started leaving even the cross is not imposed on you he says if you want to follow yeah. me you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross he never imposes a cross never, we have we can only teach the truth exactly we can only show it. it's not imposed mm. but the only thing the leadership that comes over there is that when it comes let this is personally this is how i say okay let us say let us take our own church as an example tomorrow sunday 9 am to 12 3 hours is when the whole church comes 9 am to 12 am i'm absolutely totally accountable to god for what happens over there hmm. nobody else nobody else primarily both of us but me being the founder and the senior i am responsible and if i am not there 
he will ask him but he will first come ask even if he does something wrong he will ask me when eve does something wrong he ask adam that's this order that yes. is god doesn't skirt hierarchy please remember he will never do it because he established order therefore from 9 to 12 if i have given instructions just follow it even when at the end at 11:50 or 11:45 when i tell the young people pack up fast they go the reason is at 12 o'clock the other pastor comes and complains why didn't you leave the pressure they will not come and ask any one of you they don't realize when i say i don't have to explain just follow after tell you are free i will not interfere in your life i do not interfere in anybody's life after 12 on a sunday if you come to me i give you counsel i don't tell you what to do I don't tell you what not to do. You have heard the but 9 to 12 I'm responsible. That is how it works. Mm-hmm. That is how it works. That is well. Because I am accountable. Therefore I am responsible. In the same way when it happens over here on a Monday morning 9:30 to whenever we finish. That's how it works. Okay. Sometimes when I tell something people do not understand. and i say you know i can't. i first if you know me i tell it very softly gently use the what you call the jambe you call it jambe jambe yeah. yeah use the jambe not use the other one but they need to realize when pastor says something he's not talking about music it would have to be something more than music because he's not interested in music he's talking administration because the other one makes a lot of sound and it goes on to the other side we have a place we don't want to complain which disturbs the other one makes when you practice worship practice over here when you go out the only sound that comes from is the other instrument even the keyboard or the guitar is not heard but that one but when you play the djembe it is not heard mm-hmm. i am thinking administratively mm. why we don't want issues you want issues but the worship person is not thinking he is thinking about sound but your job is to listen to leadership because the leadership is not looking at sound he's not looking at music he's looking at his thinking ahead he's thinking what are the repercussions how many pastors in this city i told them cut down your volume cut down your volume cut down your you do not need this volume because you are all in small small entrenched places the atmosphere is now changing and churches are being shut down using one thing you know what they're disturbing the peace didn't i tell you this Do you have the money to hire a place? No. Do you have another place to go? No. What has happened to your ministry shut down? Why? Because you did not regulate the volume. Mm. Simple thing. I was telling you as a pastor with experience, watch out. Wherever you touch the system, the system will come there to see if you have broken the law. So wherever, where do we touch the system here? Sound. That's where. See, when they made an edit against David, they called Daniel. They can't get this fellow. We have to get him where the state and his law comes together. Said, so don't pray. So, in this country or any country, or the first thing in our country, it is sound. Be careful. Be, be, be. In our Jivan Jyoti, it is fine. It's a campus, but here, be careful. We don't want it to be loud. We don't want even by mistake somebody complaining. Because you know what. suddenly the ministry is frozen for one day sound we blocked we have to think so the leadership thinks differently the people won't understand and that's the same thing with god and when he deals with me or you when god tells you something just obey it you won't even understand why he is saying these things you won't even understand what he is doing 
do you think the kind of things which god tells us or tells you you will understand yeah, that's, that, that's a one of the reasons why mm-hmm. i also was thinking was mm-hmm. the most rebuke god gives us to the elders and not to, not to anybody else and if you really want to be an elder be ready for rebuke from god and that's not good i mean it's because not easy that's even not when easy god tells you certain things <laughs> because he sees See, exactly exactly because of course that's a father is cleaning up our mess but when god tells you something in the same way when the leadership says something just do it mm. Because you don't realize where they are coming from. Yes. And I will tell Sammy, don't try tricks. Today he tried a trick. I got it from all over the world. Okay. Because sometimes if people do not even understand how many people are dependent or they know, I wouldn't use that word dependent. It's the wrong word. Listen to us. Listen to us. And they will always say, the struggle is always with worship. It's not with the word. Always with the worship. Because they say the worship feeds into the word. And if the worship doesn't take off, then the word, they said, okay, okay. Because they wait for worship. They wait for the word. And we have to be very, very, very careful about it. Very, very careful about it. Very, very careful. And therefore, the worship team just has to follow what I tell, what I tell the worship team is always, all I'm asking from you is 20 minutes on a Sunday. Just 20 minutes. And it's not the same people, the same person uh, every Sunday. Just 20 minutes in 30 days. All I'm asking you is 20 minutes in 30 days. We prepare, like for me personally, Monday, Wednesday, sometimes Tuesday when there's a pastor's conference, like that week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Friday, and sometimes Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, seven days. We are, we have to preach. We are preparing. To you people to come into the presence of God, we are asking only 20 minutes. Can't you just be prepared for just 20 minutes? Just 20 minutes. Give the Lord 20 minutes. Your, this is, this is your point of contact actually with the kingdom of God. Or somebody is called to pray. Five minutes is all you are asked to pray for me, maybe for four months. Five minutes. We don't want intercession in the church because we have a time limit. That all do it here. Or on Zoom. But just five minutes I'm asking you. My question to you is, can't you give five minutes where you have given your heart and your soul? So what's wrong here? What is wrong here? Everyone who is serving God at some point, you need to realize God is watching. God is watching. It's not I who is watching. Sometimes I don't even know. Like tomorrow is Sunday. Honestly, tomorrow is Sunday. And you know what I was doing upstairs? I was asking, Lord, who do I call to pray tomorrow? Who do I call to pray tomorrow? Who will pray from their heart? A person you know has prayed through the week. Somebody, Lord. Give me somebody. You understand leadership? Because you are not looking at people. You are looking at God. Lord, whatever is offered over there, it should be acceptable to you. I am not here to entertain people, Lord. I know it is about you. Lord, who is tomorrow? Honestly, wouldn't believe I was asking God, Lord, who do I call tomorrow to pray? Other than the regulars. Who can I call? If I start mentioning, everybody goes go like this. My question is, why do you struggle? You are not praying to people. How do these people matter who are standing? You are praying to God. Don't you have a prayer life? You need to understand how leadership struggles. 
leadership struggles and these are fundamental and when the leadership fails like air its repercussion goes down and today what do we have is we have ironic leadership what you have today is a worship of baal it's a worship of idols it's a worship of self name reputation prominence it is a worship of idols and when somebody else comes and says pick up your cross and follow me you should decrease and he should increase they say what's wrong with this dude I'm not in this for it. Even the apostles who left everything, their idea was completely different. You know what? They thought the kingdom of God was coming then. <laughs> they said, that's a good. It's like investing in the stock market. I will put all my money in. After six months, I will get my returns. Can we sit on your right? And can you sit and... When the other disciples heard, they were very upset because everybody wanted to sit on the right and the left. Oh, and there are only two seats there. The father is kneeling and begging. Jesus said, do you understand? He said, of course you will sit on the thrones, mm-hmm. but not now. Mm-hmm. Not now. You have to come through the cross for that. Mm-hmm. The cross will define whether you will reign. Mm. The cross will define. So we are all, we are leaders, but ultimately we are servant leaders. And the church needs to understand what mm. servant leadership means. And Moses was a servant leader. Aaron was not. He was a people pleaser. You as a people pleaser. As a people pleaser. And this is fundamentally where it goes. It's a long answer, but I'm telling you, this is where it goes. But Pastor, there's a, actually another question which is very similar on yeah, this slide. let's have that too. Okay, this is question number nine. Uh, this, there are two slides, okay? This is two slides. In God's view, those who reject his servants reject him. It is impossible for us to hearken to God's word and not to the words of his delegates. If we are subject to God's authority, then we must also be subject to his delegated authority. Other than in Acts chapter 9 verses 4 to 15, which illustrates the direct authority of the Lord, the rest of the Bible demonstrates the authority he has delegated to men. So how do we handle this? What What is your... You know? Yeah. See, God does not work without man. <laughs> Even when God had to save man, he came as man. Because the earth is given to man. Mm-hmm. God does not over circumvent authority. That's why even though Eve is the one who was deceived, ate the fruit, it is to Adam that God speaks. Mm. God speaks. He doesn't speak to Eve. And then his judgment over Adam is because you listen to your wife's voice basically over my wife. I told you this. She told you this. Who did you listen to? That's how authority works. God delegates authority. So I will tell you from personal experience in all these years. In church, let's look at the format of church. In church, there are three kinds of people who leave. Three kinds of ways you leave. One, the right way to leave, even if you have a disagreement, is to come and talk. Only two people have left because of doctrine. And I respect them. They had a doctrinal issue. They came and talked. Okay, they came and talked. You know, and I understand. I said, I expected this. I respect you. Because we cannot agree doctrinally on one area. You are Baptist. I am Pentecostal. I agree with your doctrine in everything except when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Because I cannot deny it. I have experienced it and found my experiences true to the word. You have an experience, so therefore you rewrite the word. You read it differently. But I, that is the way to go. That is the way to go. Come speak it out, receive the blessings and go. Second way, it's not not it's not bad way, but it's not the best way. You leave quietly. You leave quietly. 
I was here for a season. I live quietly. I'm not going to say anything. I live. The third way is to live loudly. Loudly. Now you start working against the church that birthed you, that fed you, where you were baptized, where you were ministered. That's the worst way to go. And you know what? It will never go well with you. It will never go well with you. You can do what other churches may hire you as hirelings, but it will never go well with you because that is not the way you go. That's not the way you go. That's not the way you go. Everywhere that's the same thing. Even if you, this principle carried, you're working in a company, let's just say you're working in Infosys. Infosys. Okay? And maybe you are not happy with the work atmosphere, with the manager, whatever, but you are a believer. When you leave, leave quietly. To use crude English, don't leave another, join another company and bitch about your former company. Mm. Don't do that. Because remember for a season that company fed you. Mm. You lived because of that company. Because this is, this principle applies everywhere. Whether it is home, whether it is church, whether it is in your company. Don't. Don't. Let me ask you, do you know your employer's names? I had three employers in the secular realm. You can ask me, I'll give you their names now. One was in 1989. One was in 1994. One was in 2001. I know their names till today. One is dead and two are alive. Okay. You don't. <laughs> of course you leave. But when you leave, you don't say, oh, that was a terrible company. Never look. No. You make your choice. You make your choice. I don't know. I mean, you may say the company, these things I don't like, but you don't speak against your employee yeah. because once upon a time he was your boss. Mm-hmm. Did Joseph say anything about Potiphar? Did he speak? Even in prison, did he speak about his brothers? You read the narrative very carefully when he's talking to the king's servant over there. Did he speak anything? Look at the word that he uses. He just uses mm-hmm. a simple term. Mm-hmm. Genesis chapter 40. 40. Uh, Verse 14 and 15. 40, verse 14 and 15. But remember me when it is well with you. Please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh. Get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing here that I should put me into this dungeon. Did he mention? Was he stolen away or was he sold? Sold. What did he say? Stolen away. Never revealed what his brothers did. Why should I talk about my brothers to Gentiles? Yes. Hmm. Why should I talk about what happened in the church to others? Would you talk about what happened in a house outside? But he never did. He never spoke about what happened in Potiphar's house too. He didn't speak about it at all. Also, I have done nothing here that they should put me in. That's all he said. I didn't do anything. He didn't mention anything. He didn't give the story out. This is what Bible is talking about. And fundamentally, this is the issue. That's why the Bible says love covers. Love covers. Okay, love covers. And this is the issue. There is delegated authority. 
And sometimes delegated authority can be wrong. I'm not saying delegated authority is right. Maybe anointed and wrong. King Saul was anointed and wrong. But you look at David. You look at David. He refuses to lift his hand against authority. He says, you know what? He's, he's my boss. I am going to do anything. God has said I would be king. I will wait. I will not forcibly get him off the throne. I will not. And when that king died, when that king died, he wept. He wept. wept. And his eulogy was an awesome. His eulogy eulogy was was such an awesome eulogy. Basically, if you look at in the natural eyes, this is the man who took, they say, 14 years of his life that he was anointed at 16 and became king. At, and they have to be right. The theologians can mark it down and get the years right and all. Okay. Mm. He became king at 30. So mm. 16 years of your life you lived as a fugitive mm. because of one man who refused to accept the call of God upon your life. What does he do? Cry. Mm. Not over his loss, over his death. Mm. That is what a true leader is. Mm. That's the truth. That's what God says. He's a man after my own heart. You wait for God's time. You are not pushing yourself into anything. You know when God comes, when his time comes, yeah. I will be where God wants to be. I don't want to be there before. I don't want to be there later. Amen. In his way, in Amen. his time. Yes. No, otherwise yes. you will know what. You go against hmm. delegator. That's what happened to U.S. It happened to U.S. U.S., they... Abuse authority. Pastor, the, one, the, the, the thing that you mentioned about uh, being flippant with authority, I've seen it in the in the U.S. I mean, it's just really, especially in the West, the way they address the professors or the teachers, it's very. It casual. is when they took God out. Very casual. And very humanism comes in. Very. Okay, we are all equal, but we are not. Don't have the same office. We are all equal. But we are, don't have the same office. This has got nothing to do with equality. We don't have, because God's Bible says, give honor to those. To honor you. Because you have to honor them. There is an office. There is an office. Why does God say honor your father and mother? It's because they hold an office. Mm-hmm. And all, they are the first representatives of God to you. They are the ones through whom you will know God. What does God do? He creates. He sustains. He feeds. He takes care of. What do parents do? They create. Mm. They feed you. They sustain you. They take care of you. So in so many ways, for any child in the world, the parents represent God God to them. All their formative years. Mm -hmm. The only conflict where you are allowed is when there is a conflict between your parents and the living God. Mm. Then God says, Obey God, don't dishonor. Hmm. Obey God. And that's what the sons of Korah do. They run, they obey God. They go on to the other side. And God honored them. Till today we have the sons of Korah. Get these pictures right. If you don't get these pictures right, we will get all these things wrong and we will look at the numbers and look at the, this thing and the glamour and the cameras. Everything says, what a great church. And if you look at it, that is not does it agree? <laughs> Does it agree? <laughs> because we gave these terms and immediately the person becomes a leader. But he's not a leader. He's not a leader. Prayer leader. What What does it mean? How does he become a prayer leader? He's just leading prayer, worship leader. How does he become a leader? He's just leading worship. Gift of prophecy. Does he become a prophet? No, he just has the gift of prophecy. I told you there are only five offices. 
rest are all gifts. Only five officers. So what does Sammy become? Sound leader? Roshan becomes camera leader? There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. There are only five officers. Only five officers. God has only given five officers in the kingdom. And that is by Jesus alone. Jesus gives his five officers. The rest are all in and out. They do these things, they find. For a season, they do. That's all. Okay. I always tell uh, my wife, so what she, I said, shh, don't use that word warrior. Oh, she's a prayer warrior. I said, shh, don't use that word warrior. How do you know? How do you know? The only way you can judge somebody is by, wow, okay. Prayed well, that's all. What happened in the spiritual realm, I don't know. Mm. The demons flee. Mm-hmm. If you're a prayer warrior, demons should flee. Because yep. you're not fighting flesh and blood. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. None of these things really matter. You may have a gift of miracles. You're just a miracle worker. You're not a miracle leader. Okay. You know what some of the people, the people who left the circle write to me, or trying to leave the right to me. Sir, we have seen incredible miracles in the Lord. The masters do it. So why should we believe your Jesus is God? I said, because Jesus died for you. Hmm. When I talk about miracles, you have to hear them about the miracles that take place over here. That's why pastors meet in the night and they get mad at me when I tell them, masters by night and pastors by day. Many of those miracle workers out there, their anointing does not come from God. The anointing comes from the devil himself and they do mighty miracles. Greater than what we see in the kingdom of God sometimes. Does that make them authentic? No. Does not make authentic. Satan appears before them. Weddings takes place over there where young girls are married off over to Lucifer. They have seen it. They have experienced the power, but they are tormented beings day and night. Even today, altars wrote to me before I came down. Okay, I know what's happening over here. We know. So, think about it. It's a leadership that is genuine. That leadership, you know them. They have a cross. They have picked up the cross, they deny themselves, and second, they are not people pleasers. They are not people pleasers. They are desperate to be God pleasers. Mm. That's what Paul will say in the letter to Galatians. Mm. I mean, I'm talking because I know pastors are listening. I should not be the servant of Christ. He says, you know what, I'm not saying that. Uh, You see, verse 10, chapter 1, verse 10. For I do not now persuade men or God. But do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. Okay. I'm not saying you should not please men. It should be a what byproduct. byproduct. Mm-hmm. You can only please men who are looking to please God. You should never try to please men who are not interested in pleasing God. Because the Bible says of 600,000 men who came out of Egypt, God was, was not, not pleased, well pleased with, well pleased with most of them. Mm-hmm. How many was he actually pleased? Just three. One called Moses, Joshua, Caleb. Look at statistics. Three out of 600,000, God was pleased. And he was really pleased with Caleb. Look at that, what he says about Caleb. Numbers 14. 
verse 24 this is the this is the turning point of israel's history the first generation right yes look at verse 24 and verse 30 but my servant caleb because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully i'll bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it verse 30 except for caleb son of jephuna and joshua the son of nun you shall by no means enter the land which i swore i would make you dwell in who is mentioned first caleb but who is the next leader joshua yeah, sure. god appoints not caleb mhm you read this you would think that caleb is going to be the next leader no god says it's not it's my prerogative yes who would say why didn't you pick caleb he said that's mine mm-hmm. my task not yours to ask because if you read in isolation chapter 14 of numbers you would see you know what caleb is going to be the next leader because look at what god is saying god says yeah but he's not going to be the next leader he's going to be joshua and caleb will follow joshua you see you need to understand how god works he doesn't work on our terms or our ideas our ideas it does not work like that it doesn't work like that because honestly if you look at it i always ask this question why didn't you pick yellow he doesn't have to answer you understand i mean honestly if it is where us who would we pick be yeah, honest you yeah, pick yellow right yes. yeah but that's why we are not god because <laughs> 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 i have always struggled with this because yellow is a fantastic man Actually, it's very interesting that even in Numbers chapter 25 where uh, Moses is praying for the next leader, mm-hmm. uh, he says, Lord, you know who is the right one. Please, you pick. And then he's, I, th- I believe he's, he's pleasantly surprised the fact that he's going to be Joshua and not, <laughs> not Caleb. <laughs> That's why you have to go back to God and listen. Okay, listen. And God will tell you this one. Okay, I will ask who is going to pray tomorrow. Don't worry, I already got the answer. Okay, I don't struggle with these things. Ultimately, if I don't hear anybody from God, I pray. Okay, okay, nobody. So, okay, Lord, that all is on my shoulder. I shall pray. No, but otherwise, He will tell. He will tell. But this is how it works. Children get it very, very clear because the decisions you are making will affect your eternity. Even you, even your present pastor even, even your present when you in the kingdom of god you're present. Present, yeah. on the other side you can always prosper if you want to prosper in this world go to the demonic i'm not advising i'm telling you you will prosper the temptation has never changed bow down and worship me all this has been given to me i will give it to you that is to jesus to us he won't give all things but some things he will give you some things he will give you he will give you Don't even look at the prosperity of the people over here. Nothing. This whole world system is controlled by the devil, and it's controlled by his men. Mm-hmm. If you follow them, they will put you in positions of high rank. Otherwise, you're not going to go up. They will put you in position. They will get you jobs, and your qualifications don't matter. They will put you in positions because they have clout. Mm-hmm. They will put you in. All you do is follow them. They will put you in. don't even go that way <laughs> don't even go that way that's how the system works okay they will even give you the wisdom to do the work all you have to go is to the lord yeah. the demons also have wisdom and you no ordinary man can cope with their wisdom 
That's what the Bible says that you are wiser than Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> Look out talking about the okay. serpent. Remember the girl with the spirit of divination. <laughs> what you what if you have the spirit of information and technology? Spirit of information. <laughs> I'm not I'm not even joking. I'm being very serious. You think the guys who get these breakthroughs are all kosher men? No. Where did they get these mm-hmm. ideal ideas from? Where did they get these ideas from? Who are I right cutting at technology, brilliant minds. None of them are believers today. You know that? Where did I get it from? From the demonic. Because in the spiritual realm, what is hidden? Nothing is hidden. They know how the system works. Hmm. Okay, so don't go there. Don't look at talents. Surrender your gifts before God every day. Put it on the altar. Lord, if you are a guitarist, put your guitar on his feet. If you are a pianist, put it on his feet. Put your hands on his feet and say, Lord, train these fingers for war. Yes. These hands belong to you. Hmm. Don't you ever take your gift and run with it. Don't do that. Say, Lord, it is a gift. So what is there to boast? The world wants talented people. I'm telling you, you pick anything in the kingdom of God, in the church. You can find hundred others better in the world. Singers, musicians, anything. So many times better. So what makes the difference in the kingdom of God? Only one thing. That's how Jesus begins his ministry. He says, the spirit of the Lord has That's anointed me. In the kingdom of God, I'm telling you, in the kingdom of God, tomorrow, when we go to the house of God, if the anointing is not there, no man in the world will watch you. They will switch off because he said, I got better options on the other side. But he's gripped by us if there is the anointing because that is what is convicting him. Yes. And he's struggling and he realized that anointing is my answer. Mm. He is not looking. Mm. The man in the world is not looking for entertainment. Yep. He's looking for deliverance. The man in the church is looking for entertainment. Mm. That is a funny part. That's a sad part. Sad. <laughs> the man in the world who comes into the church is looking for entertainment and is constantly pushing, let us make it more like, more like, more like entertainment. The man in the world who is tormented is looking to see where there is, where there is anointing. And then it does not matter what the vessel is because the anointing will flow. And when Jesus begins, that is what he says. The spirit of the Lord has anointed me to set the captives free. And to everyone who is in ministry, you want anointing? There is a price. It doesn't come cheap. There is a price to pay. There is a price. There is, there is a, a words which I want to give you. It's a very powerful words that I mean it. I've been dwelling on that verse for a few days. That's the other Bible. Let me see. It it, it is in 2 Samuel where this battle is going on between the house of Saul and the house of... 2 Samuel chapter 3. I, I, I'm sorry for uh, uh, interrupting, but I want you to see that verse. It's in Second Samuel. Okay, Second Samuel. It's it's a verse, honestly, to speak. I had never seen before. Meaning, you know, you can skip through verses where you don't see it until God shows it to you. 
No, no. No, no, no. Chapter 2. Second Samuel, chapter 2. It's a man. Second Samuel, chapter 2 is there, but you wait. Mm-hmm. Just keep it like that. Mm-hmm. That's a place where he says, I am weak, but I am anointed. Incredible verse. It's been on my mind. I need to look at the other Bible. He says, you know, it sounds stunning, right? He says, I am weak, but I am anointed. Second Samuel 3.39 you got it? Yes. Yeah, that's what I thought. 339. Yes, yes. I am weak today, though anointed king. Hmm. Did you see that? Hmm. Yes. yes. Never forget that. You have enemies, you are weak. But don't forget, there's an anointing over your life. Hmm. And as long as the anointing is there, you hmm. cannot be defeated. Amen. That's what he's saying. I look in the midst of his my enemies. In the midst of my He's got the house of Saul. All he says, I am weak today, though anointed king. And these men, the sons of Jeroboam, are too harsh for me. The evil. Now leave all the other things. Because that's how God speaks. He will take that one part of that verse and he will say, you are weak. But don't forget, you're a royal priesthood. The anointing that you have received is an anointing of a king. Don't play with that anointing. Lean on that anointing. Lean <laughs> on that anointing. And that anointing is from God. Yes. And when Jesus stands before his own congregation, the first time he says, the spirit of the Lord has, has anointed, anointed me. me. And you know what he's doing? He says, you know what I will lean on? I will lean on that anointing. One of the, all I will lean one on. One of the yeah. things that always challenges me is also one of the verses in Psalm 141 verse 5. It says, in Telugu it's very powerful. It says, let the righteous smite me. Hmm. For it is going to be my anointing. Okay. Let my head not refuse that anointing. anointing. You know what I've what I've seen and observed in even my mom or in my own life and in in people's believers' lives particularly that it's a freedom of knowing the truth that the anointing you get it at a price. But one of the prices that you need to you need to be willing to pay is to come and submit yourself to people who will actually rebuke you and correct you and lead you in that part because that is how. The anointing comes over your life. Even his own son, if he had to come under the power of the Holy Spirit, had to go through 40 days of disciplining. His flesh is absolutely cut off so that he can come in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he comes and has the audacity to say, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me, for he has given me the power to preach the gospel. Even with his son, it's only in the last stage before he enters into his ministry, he's brought directly under God. Mm. Till then, he's under earthly authority. Yes, yes, yes. First is under his parents. Mm. Every week he goes to the synagogue. He doesn't open his mouth mm. at all. He's being sitting there and listening. And that is how he wax strong in the spirit. Strong in the, in the spirit. spirit. Okay. He's mm. being taught. He's, yet he knows better than that. Mm. That's irrelevant. Stay under authority. So God is not looking at his knowledge. Oh, you know so much. Let me put you in the position of leadership. He says, no, learn submission first. Mm. He's better than all his masters. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Jesus is better than all his teachers, better than his parents. Everybody says, that's not what you need to learn in the kingdom first. Like, I have come to show you the way. First, 
come under and then i can raise you up Amen. i can raise you up otherwise you look at the people cain a wanderer all his life ishmael son of a donkey he is a rebellious every man's hand will be against and him. his hand will be against everybody esau a fellow who does not know how to wait even for food when god says wait this fellow can wait for nothing we can so you look at all these people we don't want to go that route yep you want to go that route mm-hmm. no because we we are not honestly just not even looking at temporal we have to look at the eternal what it what will it cost me because temporarily you can succeed you can succeed but that's not the whole idea because like i said what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world so you can gain the whole world mm-hmm. like i said in the morning alexander did gain mm-hmm. the whole known world by the time he was 33 you can if you have determined your will your intellect your emotions everything and you get a set of people like that around you okay dedicated to you this, all the political parties that really win is because they have a leader who is dedicated to a cause and a set of followers dedicated hmm dedicated to the cause you get them you can pursue and god said that in the beginning <laughs> they can do whatever they put their mind into because i made them like this and what is the first thing what is the first and the greatest commandment what is the first thing he says be fruitful and no no what is the first thing he says when he says what is the greatest commandment love the lord now before that he makes a statement and you love you love the lord your god is the lord is one yeah, what is that their power comes from the unity mm. they are one absolutely one the father the son and the holy spirit one and they united in holiness in righteousness here the demonic mm. system is united in unholiness and unrighteousness mm. they unite so yeah. both is unity both is unity don't think the 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 communists are not united mm. every so, kingdom divided against itself it cannot stand it can't mm. no and the problem with mm. the conservatives the believers is there is no the devil attacks unity attacks unity but on the other side of the rebels he brings through unity oh. very strange have we not because the devil knows he knows the most dangerous thing is if two people agree in the kingdom of god it is dangerous for his kingdom so he forges unity on his side over causes issues even over uh, or even over a grievance hmm? no if you look into us only one area all the democrats and half the republicans not half a part of the republicans are united by is their hatred for trump the hatred is a very unifying mm. factor we need to understand hatred our the and all the demonic hosts are united in their hatred for man because god loves man not that there is great unity in their kingdom they all like it they don't like each other at all demons don't like each other Okay. how can they like each other they have no nature of god left in them anyway so they don't like each other. <laughs> don't not send me to the other yeah, okay. other locality <laughs> okay he doesn't even want to go to the other locality because he'll, you know he'll get beaten up and sent back here. okay <laughs> but what is their unity they are united in their hatred for man because god loves them so hatred can be a very strong 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 Okay. when hatred becomes you think you know what you start whitewashing everything else mm. you start bringing because you also need to realize man has to live by truth because god made man that way so you create that's how relative truth comes mm. 
like we said in the old truth is not your relative <laughs> not your relative truth is your master it's not your relative. why do why has truth become subjective mm. i think i feel i feel i want it's subjective but truth is not subjective <laughs> not subjective he said that's it does not matter anymore what i think or what, what i feel what i want that's it that's what jesus says my father said i feel very strong with this cup should but does not matter what do you want that very strong but not my will but your will be done that's how it works okay, so there, one more question okay there's, there's another very interesting question i think it's also on the same lines oh, we have time yeah. this is question number 5 i believe this is again on the same lines um question number 5 okay there's only one slide yeah how is it that the spirit of god teaches some people their need and not others why is it that some of us were driven by a sense of need to christ while others go on in their to their self righteous self righteousness and perish the most difficult person to save is a self righteous person very difficult to save it's easier to see jesus said have come for the sinners mm. that's where religion differs mm. in, the, in the religion followed in this country one of the gods in the main text the you says from generation to generation i am born mm. to destroy the sinners and save the righteous but the question is why do righteous need save to be saved okay. <laughs> you see when the spirit of god comes the first thing the spirit of god does is conviction mm. conviction and if this when the spirit of god convicts don't justify <laughs> righteous man justifies righteous man justifies mm. you will justify and that's the issue over here beware because honestly god will drive i personally believe every man to a point in his life when he will have no way out other than god and it matters what will you do at that point what will you do at that point at that point if you reject god hmm. i'm not saying that you will die but after that point the spirit of god leaves you it stops pushing so pushing because i do not believe there would be any man one way or other on who have lived on earth who was not convicted by god because the bible says all of creation yes all of creation reveals the glory of god mm-hmm. the problem is when that comes what will you do what will you do the righteous man of religion will reject that because see that that's a difference between religion and faith in religion you are responsible for your salvation and you like it because you are in control your autonomy yes mm. you are in control yes mm. you are the lord and the master of your destiny in faith you lose control god is the lord and the master of your destiny and that is where the issue comes mm. that's where the issue comes and that's what religion thrives and faith struggles because man is born a rebel man is born a rebel he is not born obedient he is born a rebel and religion feeds the rebel feeds the rebel 
it feeds so men are willing to put pour money into religion pour money into religion but faith does not ask for your money first does not ask for your money first actually refuses your money if you haven't given your heart you look at that portion corinthians so 85 corinthians 2 corinthians 85 Hmm. Not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. But religion doesn't demand that. Religion cares two hoots whether you have given your heart to God or not. <laughs> Just give us your money. Give us your money. God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want your money. And when we say that from the pulpit, some people get offended. But it's the truth. when we said if you if you read last sunday what i gave you mm-hmm. if you read that which was written 14 years ago when we said first day onwards till today we follow that format don't put <coughs> names on the covers so i don't know who has given even if you say you gave i don't know how will i know i don't know who gives i don't want to know who gives why because it doesn't affect the decisions that i have to take Okay, because as a principle in James chapter two, right? James chapter two yeah. or yeah, yes, a rich man comes yeah. and a poor man comes. Yeah, even judges with evil thoughts. Yeah, mm. no. James chapter two. Go to verse one onwards. Yeah. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold <coughs> rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing and the fine, so you have to look at the principle. Yeah. The principle is that in all churches, I'm telling you, they know the ones who give. Many churches have personally found out they know, and they keep a tab on them. If they don't come, they call them. If they don't put their money, they call them and say, "You haven't sent your tithes in yet." And that is something. It's a no-no in the kingdom of God. You do not do that. You do not. This God does not look whether you are rich or poor. He does not look. Actually, he commended that widow who gave from her, her might because she gave hundred percent. The rich man, in God's sight, the rich man may be giving only one percent of his wealth, two percent of his wealth, or ten percent of the wealth. But when the poor comes and puts in, the amount may be very, very small. But some of the poor give fifty percent. You know the Christian charity that works around the world. Christian charities, most of the money are given by the poor, the people, not yes. by the rich. But we will put in newspaper. Adani for his 60th birthday is giving 60 billion to charity. By the way, uh, what is your uh, no 60 million? How many? Six million? Whatever he is putting in, and they said it is only two percent of his wealth. But it's all over in the newspapers. But God doesn't look. Do God doesn't read newspapers? <laughs> doesn't read newspapers. <laughs> it's, it's outdated for him. He doesn't read news. What news is that? But he knows because Bible says Jesus was sitting at the temple and looking at the people who are putting their money into their treasury. And it's very interesting that immediately they say, you know, look at these buildings. Are, are they not being constructed by the donations of the people? And then he says, not one stone. stone. <laughs> There goes your There goes your donation. This <laughs> one. <laughs> It's amazing how <laughs> incredible God is. <laughs> get these things, okay? get these things. These are fundamental principles you need to understand. These are some of the things I look back 14 years back and I realize 
now makes a lot of sense because he got already seen the future right mm. so he said the first sunday he said of course no offering second sunday he said take no offering a third sunday also i think we did three three first three, three first three sundays he said don't take an offering mm-hmm. and this is a church that is starting which needs offerings mm-hmm. we have nothing we don't even have a speaker did we have a no, speaker no, we, don't have. we had one we didn't the church owned nothing that is a very nice way to begin we owned nothing Slow we didn't have a table we didn't have chairs everything came like <laughs> we didn't have anything and god said don't take an offering it sounded very weird Because you want to pick up scriptures which says give and it shall be given and God says no. <laughs> and then he says give this pamphlet to the people how not to give. We have your giving will be. We have we don't have a cover. We haven't put a tithe this nothing. But he already said don't put your name on a cover. Mm. You realize that? Because it's very strange to me all these things. If you look, it's written on January the eighth, the June the eighth, second yeah. Sunday. Yes. And we haven't even brought a cover to the church not even offering is being taken but it's already telling me stuff in the spirit of what you need to do like i told you when the first time when i gave came into ministry with another pastor and when he sent me to a house to pray and i spent time spoke to them and prayed it was in tarnaka in one of the bylands i still remember the first house visit i made as a young servant of the lord when i left they gave me a cover I looked at the cover and said they had written nothing on the front and I said you haven't written the address because I thought they wanted me to post it on the way because I had never knew there were offerings in ministry because <coughs> they came from a catholic background I did not even know what are they giving me I'm looking at the plain cover I said I can post it on the way but there is no address they said no sir this is an offering for you okay <laughs> honestly and sometimes you know you you have to hear from god you will see he like then it is he tells me this thing I, i look back and i realize you know god is strange he doesn't explain everything to you explained he doesn't explain everything i still remember i can i mean can tell you solmara tespur outside the garrison church after a service few people army jawans when i was leaving i leave the last but the other pastor was in there i was leaving one jawan comes and he says in the thing merely a prarthana karna and i prayed and he put something into my hand and i returned it back says no i don't need but actually what he gave to me was just a two rupee note i looked at him and i realized he was very poor and i said no no rakto rakto dene ka zarurat nahi no need to give and i came back home god rebuked me he said you didn't need that two rupees but i needed him to give it to you so that i could break through for him wow <laughs> You may not have needed that, <laughs> but I needed him to mm. give it to you because that's how I had said it in the word for him to break through. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's things which you need to understand. There are a lot of things, spiritual laws. Mm-hmm. These are laws mm-hmm. which God has instituted. So get mm. this fundamental. No, so people just just reject God. They'll say we'll try it out on our own. So whatever area. God will push you back against you all. There will be, I'm telling you, in every man anywhere in the world, the richest to the most powerful, every man has an area in the in their life which only God can handle. There's all their power, all their wealth, all their might. There's nothing they can do. And when they reach there, God is speaking to you. Listen carefully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every one of them.
they speaking to you they rejected that's what is that thing csl says that he says in your poverty god's whispers but in your trouble god god speaks like a trumpet Trump. so listen listen yes. careful shouting at you others go on their side it was a turning point in king saul's life why didn't you obey the lord mm. i have obeyed the lord that's it. i have not obeyed the lord because i hear the sound of the sheep bleating you kept the best immediately just i kept it for the lord no you did not you did not give it for the lord mm. that's the same thing paul says to ananas peter says to ananas after it was yours exactly you didn't it have to was yours. you didn't have to give you <laughs> didn't, didn't have to did god ask for it you got ask for it you didn't have to give mm. okay <laughs> but now you're pretending it's patterns that set exactly like, those are the only one you will say but it doesn't happen no a president has been set by god so anybody who imitates this you need to realize automatically the law is working the law is working, working against you exactly. judgment is taking place already inside you spiritually you are dying mm. you don't even realize it that's you don't problem. even realize it you part. offer profane fire like elia uh, like nathan and abihu you are dead mm. you are dead mm. you may not die like them but you are dying mm. you know, homosexuals yeah. god will god will judge you all these things it is happening you need to realize so the way out is you know this because it's not happening already a pattern has been set that's what it says because, time. because yeah. of the judgment of god is delayed men are set on evil yeah. so what you need to do is run back to god and say lord i repent i'm sorry i'm sorry hmm. go back go back and then it's a fire escape it's over money it's over money you know A man can be opening his mouth and prophesy the absolute word of God and he's under judgment. His name is Balaam. Oh, yes. He's speaking the very oracle of God which will go prophetically into history mm-hmm. and he's being judged. Yes. Even when he is speaking that word, he is under judgment. His destiny he'll be cut into pieces by Joshua and the men of Israel when they come in. That is his destiny. But he's speaking and he's speaking the very words of God and he's under judgment. why because one principle he coveted gold and was willing to sell his soul for gold and curse god's people mm-hmm. these are principles in the kingdom of god look at those principles and you look at the cross when you look at all that's why the bible says because of his mercy his brother we are living on mercy we are living on mercy because if you look at the, our sins of commission omission and ignorance we should be dying a hundred times every minute because wages of sin is always death but god says my mercy my mercy my long suffering and my kindness i'm giving you time that no one should perish but come to repentance so what is time given for for all of us to repent to turn not seek after your own righteousness but a righteousness that is of god that is by faith and faith alone in christ it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't matter how long we serve god how faithfully we serve god you look back there is only one way i'll be righteous it's by faith and faith alone if it's that is not my righteousness nothing i do is worth anything in god's eyes nobody does it's by faith and faith alone these are things fundamentally 
We need to be very, very careful. Yes, Pastor. Oh, so you want to take one more question? Of course. This question. <laughs> <laughs> this is one more. I think I'll uh, take three more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, this is a very uh, pertinent question. I believe uh, okay. you can finish it off with this. Uh, question number four, Sami. It's two parts again, please. Uh, okay, because we are t- talking about things on the same theme. Even though we have been transported from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of light, as believers, we are still citizens in need of help. You are my very present in time of trouble. Practically, we need to apply this in our daily walk. Why do I react to the wicked around me and react in anger? Why is it that I cannot see that truly God is our very present help at the time? What is my block? See, there are two kinds of anger. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, be angry, but do not sin. Okay. Be angry and do not sin. So God recommends anger. Okay. So the question is, is not whether you are angry or not. The question is, why are you angry? Mm. That's the question God asks. The first question God asks outside the garden is, why, why are, are you, you angry? angry? Why are you angry? Because that was an illegitimate anger. You did wrong and you are angry. You always meet people like that. They did wrong and they are upset. Child does something and you discipline the child. Daddy is... Wait a second. Wait a second. Who broke this? Who disobeyed? You did. And now I am the bad guy. That's Cain. Cain is angry. And God is saying, why are you angry? Right? If you do no, what is right, right that means you did what was wrong. Mm. It is wrong. You knew what was right. Mm. This is not a sin of ignorance. You knew what was right. Because there are certain things which are not said in the Bible, but you know, they knew why. God did it in the garden before he sent Adam and Eve out. He killed those animals, whatever it was, probably lambs, offered the sacrifice, covered them with skin garments, sent them out. And I believe Adam has been doing this. It's not mentioned. Because the Bible says it comes by faith and faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. So basically the word of God here is only connected with what Adam has seen. Mm. He has seen God do it and Adam has seen and Abel by faith imitated something which he had heard or seen. Cain said, I will go my way. I will go my way. So the question is, why are you angry? It's not whether I should be angry or not. First thing God says, be angry. Mm. But in your anger, do not sin. So when you are angry, the first question, honestly, you know what? In that case, Cain should have been angry. But the thing is that he should not, should not have been angry with God. should not have been angry with Abel. He should have been angry with himself. That's what we used to do after the exam. You come over there and you look. Shucks! I knew no, the answer no, and I missed, missed it. it. Why are you angry with Not with the teacher. Mm, Not with the examiner. You're angry with yourself. yourself exactly. You're angry with yourself. Mm. That's what came to The you. object of anger. You know, the question is, who are you angry with? Yes. Okay. In this case, the Bible says, God is angry with the wicked. wicked. Every day. Every day. Don't think he's angry because wickedness does things to others. The effect of wickedness affects other lives. So there are wicked people and evil people and we are angry. Mm. We are angry with them. 
because you look at what, look at the dispensation in the U.S., the leadership in the U.S. for fighting to kill children. You are angry with. You are angry, but how do you, how do you mm, give a channel to your anger? Channel to your, your anger. Right word. How do you channel your anger? Is what is important. Be angry, but you know, angry don't sin. How did he sin? He killed him. Don't sin. That's not in your hand. To kill is not in your hand. It's in God's hands. It's a state hand. State has been given the authority to execute after due process. It's a due process of <laughs> law. And once the process is over, every appeal is exhausted, then that is God-delegated authority. Don't kill. But we are angry with the evil. We should be angry. Otherwise, there's something wrong with me. Hmm. Something wrong with me. If you are not angry with evil, then there is you need to question yourself. Mm -hmm. Are you partaking of the righteousness of God? Because the Bible says about Jesus Christ in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, 1 verse 8 and 9. Hebrews chapter 1, 8 and 9. To the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. And words, you have loud righteousness. And hated lawlessness. Therefore, therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companion. Meaning, there are two things every believer is called to do. One, love righteousness. Two, hate wickedness. And God will anoint you. You don't do this. He won't anoint you with the oil of gladness. Yes. That is a different anointing. This is called the oil of gladness. gladness. And Jesus was anointed more oh, than all his companions. Why? Because nobody loved righteousness like he did mm. and hated wickedness. But how did he channel his hated hatred for lawlessness? By being the, the sacrifice for lawlessness. Mm. For my lawlessness, he became. He became. And that's what I see. Always, you will always see, you know, when, when, uh, People, some of the most powerful ministries, I'm not talking about church, ministries started by people like uh, John Newton, mm. the one who wrote Amazing Grace. Who was he? He was a slave trader. Mm. He was a slave trader. So he used to trade slaves and then when he is convicted and when he gets saved, he understands the grace of God. So people who have been part of something that was evil, and when they repent and turn around, now they hate the evil they do. They love righteousness and now they you know they have a special burden for the same set of people whom they had tormented earlier. Mm. And God gives them a very powerful ministry. Mm. Very, that is how you love righteousness. You hate wickedness. So how am I going to be a channel for God's blessing? I will focus my life. So you have pro-life people. Pro-life people. And all pro-life people are not people who did not ever opt for ab ab abortion. They are people who aborted and have been traumatized. And now you know what? They are trying to save lives. They are trying to save lives. They are trying to save lives. Okay. Save life. Okay. Why is David the most kind and the merciful person you meet in the new covenant? Because of what he did to Uriah. He says, you know what, I was as wicked as the wicked. Now you know what, I love righteousness and I hate wickedness. I hate wickedness in me. Therefore, you know what, I will be merciful to anybody who turns against me. As a king, I will deal with justice. But 
personally, no, even if he throws stones and dust at me, I will say, leave him alone. Leave him alone. Hmm. Does not matter why. He's no better than I'm no better than him. I did worse than him. I did worse than him. But as a king, justice is a different. When you sit at the court, when you sit at the judge, it's a different. Personally, it is a different. And that's where you need to realize that's how it works. Mm. That's how it works. Go back to the question. Mm. You have to be angry. You cannot, you cannot we, react to wicked people around and react in anger. So you should, we look at it efficiency, right? Be angry, but, don't but do not sin. sin. So you can have a proper channel to, so you look at the wicked people. What is the wicked thing that they are doing? How do I channel my anger? I channel my anger by trying to fight that wickedness. What is the channel God has given you? That's what you do. And one of the best places to do is that God says, you know what? Angry people can, angry people with wickedness can really pray. Channel your anger against the real source of wickedness, the powers of darkness. You fight them and fight for people. And do whatever you can do. Elevate the lives of those who have been tormented, persecuted, whatever it is. That is how you do it. That's how you do it. So you have to be angry. If you are not angry, you will do nothing in life. You are just pursuing your own self-interest. There has to be a righteous anger. There has to be a righteous anger at the wickedness of the devil and the wickedness of men and women. And you know what? If I am the only person, I will still be that person. I will be that person who stands in the gap. The gap. That's why when God looked, Jesus looked at the Pharisees, often he was very angry. Very angry with the Pharisees. He said, you guys have this missionary zeal. You will cross an ocean to make a proselyte, a convert, and then put double your burden on your shoulders. Blind guides, he said. He used to be mad. He said, neither will you heal, nor will you allow somebody to heal. You are a stumbling block, he said. He was angry at He was not angry with the people. He was never angry with the people. He was angry with the leadership. Angry with us, the Pharisees. The Bible says he looked at around in anger. He used to be angry. You know what he says? It is wickedness. Here is a woman. She's bent over for 18 years. So here is a man who is ill. And you're sitting and saying, We have come to see, will he heal on Sabbath or not? She was angry. Oof. I said, Which of you won't break the Sabbath? If your ox falls into a hole, do you wait till Sunday? No, you don't. Suddenly, Sabbath rule doesn't apply, right? Because it's personal law. <laughs> Suddenly, it's personal law. Immediately, you go there, quietly pull the ox. <laughs> here is a child daughter of Abraham. She's been in bondage for 18 years and you are waiting here to see. And he, and he says, he uses the word, just think about it, he says. <laughs> here is a man who's been sitting by the pool for 38 years. Today, after 30 years, he's free. He's carrying a mat. All your eyes are on his mat, not on his feet. <laughs> well, what's wrong with you dudes? This man is walking at the 38th. You will be always should be giving glory to God. Instead you say, what hmm. did you carry a mat on Sabbath? Hmm. Oh. That's what God is talking about. Of course you need to be angry. And if you need to be angry at preachers, you look at them and you look at them deceiving people, hmm. you get mad at them. What are they doing? What are you doing? Boy. And these are young people. Young people are into the world. You don't bring the world into the church. Don't bring the world into the church. 
Don't bring that pub into the church. Don't bring that atmosphere into that church. Don't bring it. Don't bring it. You have separated from the world. You have come out of the world. These children who have come out of the sea. You see, I don't struggle with the world. I don't know what the world looks like also today. You know, but the children do. Yeah. So let me ask you, just because I don't struggle with the world, if I make the world, the church like the world, <coughs> am I helping them? No. Of course not. Mm. Why? I'm not, because they're actually struggling with the world. So let the church be a different place. Mm. It is not like the world at all. At least black is black and white is white. You're very clear. Yeah. There are no gray areas. Very clear. At least when you come to church, the church doesn't look at the world. Instead, what are you trying to do? You're not trying to help them. They call it seeker-friendly churches. People, please, sir, pastor, seeker-friendly churches. That's what basically it is. And right from the beginning, from the first call of God upon Moses, sorry, upon Abraham, the call has never changed. Come out. Come out. Leave. Pharaoh is the one who gives all the compromise. The God of the Hebrews has come. Our God has said, Go to the wilderness, a three-day journey, and make a sacrifice. Why do you need to go to the wilderness? Sacrifice in this land. Why do you have to be separated? There's no need for separation here. No. Plagues come. Pharaoh meltdowns a little. That's the first meltdown in history. Pharaoh's meltdown. He says, okay, go, but don't go far. Mm. Don't go far. Compromise after compromise after compromise. If you don't, imagine on the other hand, Pharaoh is not speaking to Moses. Pharaoh is speaking to Aaron. Oh, thank you, Pharaoh. You said we can sacrifice here. Let us have a bonfire in Egypt. That's what Aaron would have done. The golden calf would have been made there in Egypt. Thank God it was Moses. Hmm. And it is not Aaron. Moses says no. And he says, okay, go. Leave your women and children behind. Moses says no. All of us, none of us. Compromise after compromise yeah. after compromise. Finally, more plagues. Pharaoh meltdowns a little more. Okay, go. Go far. Go three days. Take your women and children. Leave your flocks behind. Yeah. Moses said, no. Not a hoof behind. Compromise. That's why you need to realize that you need leaders like Moses. Yeah who will not compromise on the message of separation. Because where there is no separation, you will never, ever get sanctified. You can keep on preaching the best messages on sanctification. But as long as the congregation refuses to separate from the world, it is like water on a duck's back. Because to receive the message of sanctification, first step is separate. Mm. If you separate, you will know me as my father. Otherwise, you will only know me as God. When do we go to God? When we need something. When we need something. When do we go to a father? It's based on a relationship. Mm. It's not based on something. It's based on a something. To knowing God as God, a believer, knowing God as God, and knowing God as a father is not the same experience. And God, Jesus does not teach us to pray Almighty God. He says, pray your father. Say, when I pray with Gentiles, I will say Almighty God and my heaven. Very carefully, even if it's a recorded message I send, I'm very careful how I speak to them. I speak to them, Almighty God and my heavenly father. Because to them, he's God. To me, he's my father. He's Almighty God too. And that's a difference. And when does the difference come? When there is separation. 
And all the people in the churches, they are struggling. They are struggling with separation. They are not struggling with sanctification. They are struggling with separation. Because if you are not separated, you cannot be sanctified. Hmm. You cannot be sanctified. No. Right? What's the point of pouring clean water on a fellow who is sitting in the gutter? First, come out of the gutter. Come out. I will help you. Come out. And then let me wash you clean. Otherwise, it's a waste of good water. The water is also going into the gutter. Get out. And people struggle with the message of separation. Not so much with sanctification. You say, oh, I'm struggling with sanctification. No, you're not. You're not struggling. You're struggling with separation. Have you come out? We're still trying. <laughs> God is patient. Try. One day you will come out. Hallelujah. <laughs> When you come out, suddenly all this will start making more sense. All will start out. Hmm. Moses never struggled with the message of sanctification. You know that? Because he had left 40 years earlier than any Israelite. When Moses is taking the people of Israel into the wilderness, he has already been separated for 40 years. He had left Egypt all the pleasures of Egypt for 40 years. He's a separated man. Therefore, when God speaks to him all about sanctification and the law, it is music to his ears. Mm -hmm. The others are fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. Every time they fight, the reference point is Egypt. Moses never talks about Egypt. And his first reluctance with God is because he does not want to go to Egypt. I, I mean, it's amazing that it says that the Messiah will be a prophet just like Moses. I mean, that's amazing con- uh, comparison. That's how how closely they related yeah, they're they're related, they're related to each other. And the reason why he doesn't want to go to Egypt. Wow, super. <laughs> says, you are going in my name. You go and bring them out. You are not going to live in Egypt. Go bring them out. That's what we go. We go into the world, we come out. We go to the world because we have to go into the world. Because we live in this world, we go into the world to save people, to do our work. But we are not of this world. Hmm. Absolutely clear, we are not of this world. The world and the kingdom of God are at conflict. Amen. We have to make our choice. I do not belong to this world. I belong to the kingdom of God. But when I go to the kingdom of God, I know what I am going as. We heard in the morning, I am going as an ambassador of hmm. Christ. Hmm. I am the Indian ambassador in Pakistan. <laughs> Hostile. But I have been given a message. The message is a message of reconciliation. Mm. To reconcile men back to God. But it can be only reconciled on God's terms, terms. not on man's terms. I can't lie to man. I have to tell them these are the terms of reconciliation. He went on the cross. He died for your sins. He rose again on the third day. He's seated on the right hand side of God. He's coming back to judge the godly and the ungodly. Therefore, repent. <laughs> Turn completely from mm. every deed of yours. Turn from your wicked deeds. Don't put your trust on your good deeds. Mm. Put your trust only in Jesus. You believe, I have become an ambassador who reconciled one person back to God. That is our job. Mm. The ambassadors who are sent to this country don't belong to this country. Yes. They represent their country. Mm. That's what Paul is saying. My citizenship is of heaven. In this world, the ancient said, we have no lasting city. Wow. You're looking to a city whose builder, builder is God. Amen. Builder is God. That's how your mindset should be. Hallelujah. When you go to your office, mm-hmm. I'll be the best worker. Why? That's my witness. Mm. My witness. 
Hmm. I am not in competition with you. I am not in competition with you. I may be weaker than you, but I realize I have to be a witness here. So the way I work, when I struggle, I will put my head down. Not in shame. I put my head down and pray. Hmm. Ask God, help me, Lord. That becomes your witness. That becomes your witness. I still remember. I said this long time ago. I still remember this testimony. This Sunday school team children were on a trip, a picnic. So they stopped at a restaurant in US, a restaurant for breakfast. And it's early morning on the highway. And they all sat around, children, everybody sat around, and they put their heads around, and they said grace. And there was a man sitting there, older man sitting there and watching them. So watched them. They prayed, they ate, they all happily, and they left and got into the van, and he watched that van, and he noted it down. Next day he was in church. Bah. He said, I had left the church 30, 40 years ago. I come from a believing family, I had left the church. And that day, past week, he said, when you all put down your head and said grace, I went back home. And I realized that's where I began. Ambassador. And I heard the Spirit of God say, go back from where you came. He said, I'm right now in church. Because I looked at this thing and I found your church and I'm here. So that's witness. Hmm. Sometimes you are in your office, all you're doing is putting your head and thanking God. Somebody is convicted. Sure who's talking. been running away from God. Hmm. So everything that we do is a witness. And everything in that we do, we acknowledge God and do it for your glory. It's your witness. And you know what? Somebody is being touched. You don't even realize it. Somebody is being touched. Somebody, I still have said it's not it. I mean, it was my personal testimony. When I left, I was just there for six months in New Life Ages in the year 97 before I went to Assam. First day I went over, Pastor Walson came to me and said, I said, hey, James, you're here. I said, yeah, I came here. Are you going to be here? I said, yeah, not for long, but I'm here. He said, you know what? He came down right down after worship. He saw me in that crowd. He came around to me and said, James, can you join the worship team? I said, I don't sing. I didn't ask you whether you sing. I said, will you join the worship team? Hallelujah. He said, why do you want me there? Because I said, he said, because I know you worship. I have singers. I need worshipers. Wow. Would you be in the worship team? Yeah. Hmm. So there I was in the worship team in one corner, every Sunday, in one corner. And what I used to do is I would call slowly move away from the mic because I didn't want my voice being heard because I know I cannot really sing. These are all stalwarts. Okay. And I was there for six, six months or less, I was in the worship team. And then when my, I had to leave, and I left, they prayed over me. That's how they knew I was leaving. I didn't know. It's a crowd. You get lost. You know a few people. You don't know most of the people over there. But if you go on the stage, they know you. You don't know them. After that, they prayed over me. And when I was leaving, people came to me. And they were holding my hand and said, thank you for touching me. I said, what did I do? They said, your worship touched our lives. Wow. And I am sitting there like a misfit on that ground saying, Lord, I don't want to even be near this microphone because all I can do is I cannot sing, but all I will do is close my eyes and I will just worship you. Wow. That's amazing. And that's all your witness. Hmm. And you don't even realize who lives you are impacting. Hmm. Yes. Imagine being in a worship team and impacting somebody's life without singing. Hallelujah. 
That is fruitful. That's your witness. Actually, Pastor, it's uh, I think Derek Prince who says that worship is the highest form of 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 ministry in the sense that that's what we actually actually give God, and then it's like the it's like the it says. Uh, the one who is the Lord sees one spirit with him and those who worship God must worship him in spirit. And when you're joined to the Lord, that is when fruit comes from your life. It's fruitfulness. And anybody can be a worshiper. You know, you don't need to know how to sing. You don't need to be a good, good singer. You don't need to be an instrument. You don't need any of this thing to be a worshiper. Yes. Man. You don't need to be any of these worshippers. Which is very interesting. You close the Old Testament and begin the New Testament from Matthew 1 and go all the way to the end of Jude. Until you reach the book of Revelation, you don't find a single musical instrument. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, you don't find a single musical instrument. And that is in heaven, actually, not even on earth. That is in heaven. <laughs> we put so much honors on all these things and forget to worship. That's true. Forget to worship. I'm not saying all these things should aid worship and you should be able to worship without any of these things. You know what? You become a worshiper when you have learned to worship God alone in the privacy of your prayer closet. That's how you become a worshiper. You don't get learned to worship in church. You don't get learned to worship in church. You learn to worship God one-on-one because that is that secret place. If you are not true in your secret place, you can never be true outside. If you haven't prayed one-on-one with God, Mm. you are not true there. You will not be true outside. Yes. If you have not given truly, secretly, without anybody knowing, God cannot one day reward you in public and say, He's a giver. Cannot. Mm. Cannot. Hallelujah. This is how it works. Mm. This is how it works. How how will God reward? How will God even make you know these things? Because God will do it in His own way. This is where it comes. This is where there is. There has to be a reaction. We are not like Buddha. No, we are not. Buddha's face, there is no reaction. Not on the man who is hanging on the cross. There is enormous reaction from the cross. It's not passive. Yeah. Passive. Buddhism is a passive passive religion. religion. Exactly. Christianity is not a passive religion. It's a violent religion. Mm. Spiritually violent. Physically gentle. Mm. Spiritually violent religion. They are people who are moved by their passions for Christ and the cause of Christ. And on the cross, what you see is passion. Father, mm. forgive them. Mm. They do not know what, what they are doing. doing. Let me tell you one thing. Let me tell you the authority of scripture and what happened. If Jesus had kept silent on the cross and died, both thieves would have gone to hell. Yes. Absolutely. Both thieves would have gone to hell if he had kept his mouth quiet on the cross. And he could have kept his mouth. I have done God's will. That's it. Here I am. I will die quietly. He could have died quietly. Still salvation would have taken place. But one man would have gone to hell. Because he opened his mouth and he cried out to his father. There was a man who started abusing him then shut up. He shut up. And he looked at the man, other man and said, you shut up. We deserve to be what we are, but this man is innocent. Hmm. This man is innocent. Do you know something? Pilate said he is innocent. The thief on one side is innocent, but the Jew said he is guilty. Hmm. The Gentile and the thief agreed this man is innocent. The Jew said he is guilty. Okay, this is witness. So we need to get angry. We have to get angry. Get angry. 
angry, you know. Like when the Agni were thing opposite, I was angry. I was angry with the government. I was angry with the young people. No, why are you going on the streets? You already lost your movement. That is not in democratic setups. That is not how you oppose. You oppose silently. You I come out in your mass. I still remember. I was in Hyderabad <laughs> when that government fell. When NTRs that TDP TDP is that thing. It was like nobody could move anywhere. The mm. city was flooded with yellow. It was like shoulder to shoulder to shoulder to shoulder to shoulder to shoulder. Everybody, everything stopped. And the government fell. You can't do anything. It was a sea of humanity. But that's the power of democracy. If young people are actually, actually bothered by it, just come quietly onto the streets. In your tens, your hundreds, your thousands, you fill the streets, the government will change the policy. You don't have to fight. You don't have to burn. The minute you take violence, you already lost your cause. Lost your cause lost your cause. And that's what God said. Told Peter, put your sword back again. You lose the cause of the kingdom. Put your sword back. If I, You want the sword? If I want 12 legions of angels will come if I ask my father. One call. That's, that's what is available. I don't need them. Put your sword back. You resort to violence, you're gone. That's what happens. I've always when I counsel people also say, tell men, look, you and the wife have an issue. She may be wrong. The minute you resort to violence, you lost the argument. That's it. Lost the argument. You resort to violence, you've lost the argument. After that, you know what happens. Nobody wants to know who is right or wrong. They'll only look at that violence. Exactly. Mm. And that's how you lose the argument. No. Mm. the argument. Don't do that. Don't do that. You lose. Don't lose because you have to. You have to be angry. But in your anger, do not sin. sin. Do not sin. Ask God. First thing to take out your anger is go to your prayer closet. Go to the fellow who is the originator of evil. Hmm. Give it back to him. Hmm. He says, you know what? I give you power and authority or I don't even tell you to punch him. Trample upon him. That's the best way when you are really angry, you want to kick somebody, right? Mm. He said, kick him. Mm -hmm. I give you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions and I over all the powers in me. Went your anger in your prayer closet. Once you have entered in your prayer closet, God will tell you what to do. Till then, wait. Don't jump. Till then, wait. God will speak. He will tell you. Don't immediately go and start a ministry. Don't do. God will tell you what to do. And He will open doors for you. And that is how you have now attacking that evil. And every time you do that, you know what? This is what I personally believe. Every time I stand behind the pulpit and I preach, I'm giving it back to the devil. I'm giving it back to the devil because I know every time, if I stray through to the word of God, the word will not come void. Even today during this Q&A, there will be people whose lives will be changed, changed. people who will get come out. Amen. Amen. Yes. yes every time I do it, I'm thumping my nose at the devil by saying, you lost one of your congregation members. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mm. That is how the kingdom of God advances by violence. Every person saved is a person lost from the clutches of the devil. That is how you give. If you really really want to hurt the evil, the, the wicked one, this is how you react. This is how you react. You look back and say, where has God uniquely positioned me? To impact the kingdom of God. And I will give my best there. Mm-hmm. It can be your worship. It can be your prayer. It can be your giving. It can be your giving. Some people have 
unbelievable we help the kingdom of god by their giving mm-hmm. nobody even knows who gave mm-hmm. but they have given into the kingdom so much it has impacted the lives of tens and thousands you know what they are giving it back to the devil hallelujah mm-hmm. giving it back to the devil so you everybody has to see how do i may like you people doing with your camera do i make fun of it the better you make look at it it attracts more people. yes yes and they are able to they, they it gets their attention fine that's what you're giving it back to the devil why should the devil have all the bit, good backgrounds mm. right let god have all some good backgrounds absolutely too. amen you know so all that is there everywhere but we don't go overboard mm. but finally like i said no you don't attract you don't, don't distract, distract. let the focus be on god mm. that's why if you i'm honestly telling you you go on youtube and check churches and find one church where the worship team stands the way it stands in our church not find any simple reason is what i tell the worship team is don't attract don't distract let the eyes be on jesus hallelujah on jesus otherwise everybody the worship leaders spread around the team it is like a drama trope and <laughs> half the people are watching entertainment when going on over there so you go to the side over there let people worship let people worship okay don't distract don't attract because ultimately worship we are worshiping with our voices the worship team is with their voices and the whole being comes and we lift up our voices unto the lord let it that be that be lift up our voices so everywhere god will receive his glory amen so what is my block of course you have to react in anger but channel your anger if you don't react in anger i get angry every time i hear reports really 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 you know i get angry uh when i see this young girls and boys teenage early 20s on the streets with their violence and all and they're all university educated all in the cities okay because yesterday from all my contacts in us my young people in everybody was texting 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 to me all and they're all all tickle pink and they all have little babies and all that everybody is so tickle pink this thing over here on another side these children but my question is you're not angry with the young kids you angry with the pros wow that's what final words romans romans 1 one the 30, 30, 31 32 yeah final words <laughs> <laughs> romans 1 31 32 what about <laughs> romans 1 31 32 yeah 32 32 32 code word romans 1 32 mm. who okay who knowing the righteous judgment of god that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them the words set up people let me tell you the words set up people on earth are not the young people on the streets are their profs in their universities hmm that is why God asks that second question to Adam. Who told you? Mm. Do we know who made these children like this? Is their profs and their teachers? Wow. Now it's gone from primary school onward. Wow. Drag queens coming in. Who is allowing this? Who is allowing this? It is the teachers. A teacher can change a child's life. A teacher, teacher sometimes has more impact on a child's life than their parents. Because mm. the, the teachers are there. 
Like if you're if you're a normal child, how many hours is a child at home? How many hours the child is at school? The impact the teacher because that's why he's called a teacher. What is Jesus called? Teacher. Mm-hmm. Impact. And what if the teacher is wrong? Mm-hmm. The teacher is wrong, and the teacher is teaching ideology, warped ideology, anti-holy, anti-righteous, anti-God ideology. It's shaping the minds of young people. Mm. And these people come out on the streets and they start saying, my body, my choice. It's not those kids. The question is, did you go from your home like that? Did you grow up like that? No. Then how did you become like that? How did you become like that? These are the people. So the worst set of people are not the kids. They're the teachers. Milestone should be around the yes, neck. Yeah, who made this young one. So okay. the same thing. The worst set of people are not the congregation members. It is the false apostles, the false prophets, the false evangelists, the false pastors, and the false te- teachers. They create false brethren. brethren. Yes. See, if the leadership is not false, you cannot have false brethren. The leadership. The wow. leadership. And that is where issues come. So look at it very, very clearly. Okay, very, very clearly and say, Lord, you know what? I want to be true. And in your truth, I see you are angry. And mm. the word of God says, God is always angry all the time at the wicked. But don't be an angry man that way. You're angry at issues. Angry at issues. And you channel your anger. That's how you have the Joseph Conrad's, I forgot his book. Very famous, just one of all classic writers. Very famous book, where no, even the Indian movie called Kalapathar. Mm-hmm. Remember Amitabh Bachchan's Kalapathar? Yes. It's based on that. It's all that. No, he has done something terrible. Now he wins his anger, channels his anger, ultimately in rescuing the miners who are drowning. So what was negative in his life? He turned it around has to be positive. And many of the great movements have been started by angry people. <laughs> exactly. Because they were very angry at the injustice and they were angry they were part of it once. Actually, and now they are turning the channel. One of our senior profs in our university, I mean, this is a very, very well-known prof, he said, if you guys can't get angry when you're young, you will never ever achieve anything. And that's what politicians do. They tap the anger of the young people for they have so much energy and anger and they give them a cause. But the causes are always warped. Okay. You need that zeal there. And that is what, uh, David, David's brothers are trying to pour cold water. Why are we here? You are proud, wicked fellow. You left the ship. He says, is there not a cause? Yeah. And he comes over there and sees his Goliath, his anger is boiling up inside. And basically, we read it, but we need to see the emotions of this man. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he dared that, defy that the Boiling, answer? exactly. It's just it's, it's, it's how coming yeah. Why? He's not a compromised young man. Yeah. He's come from the wilderness. Yes, yes. He was neither sitting in his eating in his father's house, yes, nor did he stay in Saul's palace. He came to the wilderness. Yes. And he was, this is the same zeal with which he went after the sheep. He says the lion came and took a lamb from my father's. I went after him. How dare you take my sheep? How dare you come after my sheep? The same zeal is coming and saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He says, I will fight him. I will fight him. No, There has to be a cause. The young people need to have a cause. You cannot be laid back like that. And the government's wicked politicians knows them. 
and they give them a cause. Now they will know that today we can know. The streets will be full in the cities of young men shouting, screaming, looting over my body, my choice and they will tap into this anger. Hmm. God says, I have given you the greatest cause of everything, my name, my kingdom. And he says, my people are not moved at all. You need to look at these people and says that you don't fight for the kingdom, they will go to hell. Ah. They will go to hell. Hmm. I am giving you a cause. And that is what, and when you come into the king, in, come into the kingdom of God, into the house of God, you look at it and says, you know what, my house will not, not be a house of thieves, of merchandise. This is not a selling place. You are not selling your books and your cassettes and your this thing. This is not, not a, a place, place for that. Mm. You will say, oh, Joel, you know how Joel Austin, all these people make their this thing. Money. They will say, oh, we don't even take a salary. Oh, yeah. How much of your cassettes and books are being sold over there outside? Mm. Every week. And you are raking in millions. Royalty. Mm. This is not, that's why we give it free. Mm-hmm. We choose not to sell it. And if we even sell it, it will be just cost price. Mm. We are not here in business. And Jesus' so anger was boiling. The Bible says, zeal for his father's house consumed. He said, my father's house shall be a house, a house for the um, prayer for, for the all, nations, all but nations. But you have made it your den of thieves. So when you come into the house of God, there should be an anger. An anger. Okay, I will not allow this. Yes, allow yes, this. Lord. Yes, Lord. You see this song. Thank so you, Lord. You come back. You also will say, I will not. Mm. I will not allow this place to be. I will not. There should be an anger, anger. inside. You know, I will not I God's house. I will not be, uh, what you call, complacent. Mm. Okay? That's what he says about the Lord is Ephraim, no? If, yeah, if Ephraim... Uh, Settle down in his lease. Dregs, yeah. Moab, Moab. Moab he said, leave him alone. Uh, yeah, Ephraim is joined to our idols. Idols, huh? leave and leave. The one with about settle down in the lease. Is it it, Moab? Yeah. Basically, settle down in yeah. the become complacent. Yeah. And nothing moves. Mm. Nothing moves. And young people can become like that. Mm. We have to watch young people. Mm. That's why we tell them, no? Young people, they won't wash their dishes. They won't wash their glasses. They won't wash their clothes. They won't do it. Nah, they'll put and they will wear it. Hey, go wash your clothes. Wash your plate. Don't eat. You did you eat lunch in that? Yes. You got your dinner also in that. Wow. How many time? Does, how many minutes does it? They get so laid back. Laid back. So laid back. And you should not. You know what? Because they start compromising here, compromising here, compromising here. Then we'll start compromising on the big things. Finally, when the kingdom of God comes, they are laid back. Yeah, Moab has been at ease from his youth. Hmm. He has settled on his dregs and has not been emptied from vessel to vessel. <laughs> nor has he gone into captivity. Therefore, his days remain. Two things God says. You know what? You know, he has not been changed from vessel to vessel. If you know how wine is made, if you make wine at home, that's what you do. After a few one week, you turn it from one vessel to the other, and you throw the dregs out. You strain it and throw the dregs out. After one week, you again strain it and throw the dregs out and change the vessel. The wine becomes better and better and better and better. So he's on the move. Yet this fellow has never been emptied. He has never been challenged in his home. He has never been challenged in his office. He has never been challenged in his church. He is least bothered. He's complacent. Nor has he gone into captivity. Mm. He doesn't know what hardship is. Yes. He doesn't know what it is back to against the wall, wall where he finally says, you know what, it is fight or die. Mm. I'm going to fight. 
So he has neither nor either. Mm. On either. Mm. Either. So you know what? His scent has never changed. He's the same useless fellow. Right from the beginning. Huh. You need to have one or the other. Either you need to be challenged in church or you need to hit the pig pen. Uh, that's how Ruth is so different from the others. So she's like she's she's willing to go and she's willing to go and work. She's willing to not be in that be in that Can't let comfort zone. Children yeah. be complacent. They'll go nowhere. Yes, amen. The scent will never change. Yes, yes. When we tell about little little things, people get very upset. Like last Sunday, I said, "Who, who vacuumed?" Because I found a piece of paper over there. <laughs> I mean, what difference does it make? The question is that when you do a job, do it well. Mm. Because next tomorrow you will be in a company and you will take the same thing over there. Because you are complacent here, you will be complacent there. But there they will fire you. Here nobody is going to fire you. Mm. The thing is that you take this with you. Mm. This is where it comes. You take Ultimately you bring it to the kingdom of God. And then in eternity when you are disqualified, you will say, Lord, what happened? He says, because you cannot be qualified. Mm. Cannot be qualified. Yes. All these things matter matter. All these things matter because in God's kingdom, there is order. There is discipline. Like I said, no, entering into God's kingdom, if you get the format right, I'm joining the army. Don't think about any other profession, joining the army. Once you join the army, they decide what you do. You don't, like I said in the morning, you can't even cut your haircut. haircut of your choice. Yes. They choose your haircut. You cannot wear clothes of your choice. They choose your clothes. Mm. You cannot eat what you like. They choose your food. They, they choose what time you wake up, what time you go to sleep. They choose everything. Mm. Our NCC man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they choose <laughs> everything. Okay. They choose everything for you. And think like, here you willing, you're a bond servant. You joined God's army willingly. Says, you choose. Mm. You tell me to wake up, I'm up. I'm telling you, certain days he tells me to go to sleep. Mm. I'm good. He tells me, turn around, I'm good. Okay. Alarm rings at 3.25. Okay. And I get the devotions across and then he says, go to sleep, sleep for one more hour. Because he knows my body more than I, he knows what is waiting for me this day than I am. Yes. Mm. So it is not like, he's not army sergeant. Mm. He's a father. But he's tougher than a sergeant and gentle also as a father. Now you don't have to worry. You have a person. A person is yes, with sir. you. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, it's okay. We got a good father. Awesome father. It's all good. Is very mild. <laughs> awesome, He's awesome father. Hallelujah. Training us in this rotten body, so that we can. If I can be disciplined in this rotten body, what will I do with the other body? Heavenly body. Kya baat hai? That will be awesome. <laughs> Think about it. No. On the other side, if you can function well in this rotten body, think what you will do with that other body. Think. Mm. Okay. So maximize mm. what you can do in this life. This right? body of formulation. You need to be angry. Amen. Amen. Primarily you have to be angry Amen. with wickedness. Wicked people. You need to be angry at yourself. When you are sloppy, be angry. Mm. When you are sloppy in what you do, be angry. Mm. Okay, I could have done better. Mm. Yes. Could have done better. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't work hard. Mm. Anointing is one thing. It's a different. That's from God. Working hard is yours. Paul tells Timothy, work hard. Mm -hmm. That's my job. 
I do my jobs, he will do his part. Hallelujah. But without doing my job, I come there and I'm upset with God. God said, no, you need to be angry with God. <laughs> anointing was there. Mm. But you did not do your job. Okay, so all of us, we do our job. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Amen. We shall close for today. Amen, Pastor. Yes. Fresh Father, we just thank you, we just praise you, we just worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father, once again. We come to the end of the day, end of the week, and we thank you, Father, you brought us through. Mm. By the time we come back for the next Q&A, oh Lord, we'll be in the seventh month. Mm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Faithfulness for your goodness. Whether we feel it, whether we experience it, it does not matter. The fact of it is, you are always good. And we just want to thank you. Therefore, I come with all your children everywhere, everyone who is listening, and I speak peace into every heart. Wherever they are, whatever time zone they are in, your peace, I speak first. Let your peace guard their heart and their minds. Let them be in your rest. And from that rest, do what they have to do, Lord. If you tarry to come, give us another day. Help us all to come into your house. All of us. Prepare to give us your best mm. in worship. And who are who's praying praise. Mm. The word is coming to give our best attention. Mm. Everything. Everyone come prepared to give God our best. Mm. So ancients used to come. They used to come dressed in their Sunday best. Yes, Lord. That was the best clothes they wore for Sunday. Help us to come and give you our best tomorrow, Lord. For you always give us your best. Mm. You are not sloppy. When you gave, you gave your only son. When you took your son up, you gave your only spirit. You gave your best. When the son came back, the father gave him the best robe, mm. the fatter calf, not the lean calf. Help us also to give the best. That's who you are. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.